Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. June 7th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. Apologize for the delay. Been a lot going on today, as some of you might have known, just personal stuff going on. But important to get this show out today. There's a lot of important things around the developments of the transgender conversation. And I wanted to follow up and make sure you guys didn't miss the conversation I had with Scott C. Smith. And I'll mention a couple of things early on in the show. It's really important. And then other, the other real topic other than that we're going to focus on today in the end of the show, the latter half is going to be the Ukraine, which is seemingly just one of, in, another and a long string of some of the most obvious clumsy false flags I've ever seen in my life. And we're going to go over this information, but we're going to start today actually with a little bit of a focus on a couple of side points, one of which is going to be Twitter, or Tucker Carlson, and a couple of other things that I think are important to, to comment on. But there's a lot of other things going on. Of course, everyone's consumed with the wildfire and everything. And it's interesting that, you know, I don't, I don't want to get derailed. There's lots of things we could talk about there. But the point is that there's obviously health issues with that. But it's interesting how much these weather conversations seem to take over in the corporate media in particular. I just think that's an interesting to think about and what that means and, and why, why after all that's going on, they would focus on something like that. You know, it, it, you know the answer to all these questions. But... I think it's important for us to see that there's always a game of obfuscation going on. I think that's what their job actually is, whether they realize that or not. So we're going to get into a lot of the things that they don't want you to talk about or understand. Now, in the title today, and this, you know, it, it's I expect people will respond to the title based on what they assume it is, because everyone's being trained to do that. When I talk about the gender dysphoria illusion. People will assume a lot of different things. They may think, I mean, it doesn't exist. They may think that they're, you know, as always, there are people who will jump into it the way they want. But of course, the point today that I'm going to get into is not about, as far as my research can tell, and I'm not an expert in the topic, gender dysphoria is, is a thing that exists. People do suffer some kind of disorder where they feel this kind of, and, and that, that existed before this conversation of the transgender movement. But what's interesting today is that we're going to go over that point. I feel like we've been kind of knocking down some of these points throughout the last so many shows. And I want, I've said this before on the show, but we're going to talk about this one in particular today in conjunction with a lot of new and important information. I, I, I Matt Walsh's, uh, what is a woman documentary is, is pretty solid. Now I, I expected as and it show even my own biases that I was going to see some, you know, overall, it seems like it, it's it's a very well done piece of work that is showing you the contradictions in the conversation. Now, does that mean there's not a political motivation? No, you guys can think for yourselves. But the the information should be something separate from that, and you're able to suss this out for yourself. Now, we're going to talk about that in part, but also some information that was recently put out by him on his Twitter thread today, which is impossible to ignore, and it it is you know, it goes in line with what we talk about and what we've already discussed. The reality of the situation, we're going to go over a couple of points again, coming from people that work in the industry, articles written by Reuters, Associated Press, and then can, and then can uh, look at this together with this new information that's being dismissed as completely fake. And people are, you know, you're racist and you're bigoted and you hate and you want to kill trans people, all these things that people just scream without real. It's an assumptive point. Sure, sure. Maybe they think that you don't know that because that's not what the work is showing and the work that we're going to talk about that they're screaming about is true. And we'll prove this to you. And then we'll get into why. And that's the difficult part to talk about. But I think it's important why these kind of subjective directions are happening in very aggressive ways with medical treatments, things that have no long term studies, things that are being given to people based on their own. Well, I feel this way. I think I am this. 
Now, you may think that's enough, but the problem is that the conversation skips right over the part that there are actual risks along with these things. Puberty blockers are not some pause button that you can, which is what they tell people. There's no long-term studies. And the only thing they're approved for, I think was, I'll get, I'll come to it again today. It's not degenerative dysphoria, believe it or not. And there are long-term problems that we have seen in regard, or excuse me, not long, immediate problems, because there are no long-term studies in regard to giving children puberty blockers and really anybody, there are effects, but also the idea of the child and the, the way it affects your fertility. You're, it's, I mean, we've gone over all this, but it's important to see, we'll get into the whole dynamic together and see how, how haphazardly these are being given to people just because the momentum is here. And, and it's all political. And that's what scares me the most. We saw this during COVID-19. We see it happening now again. It happens in a lot of loca- a lot of t- uh, topics, discussions, areas. And that is simply that there are enough people out there that know better. They're letting this happen around them. They're afraid because they're going to get attacked by the community. It's like anything else. It's like, you know, and, and again, this doesn't mean I, what I was about to say. I'm going to preface because you have to today. When you say something like, this is similar to, you know, the Me Too movement. People will freak out and act like you're saying it doesn't exist. The point is that there are real parts to this. Of course, there are people that were abusing women like Harvey Weinstein. But then, of course, it got wildly subjective. And anybody accusing anybody was suddenly believed because how dare you not? And that's how this works. Now, that wasn't the real part. The real part was there's a predator who they've all been protecting, who has been thrown to the bus. Now this gets wildly overshot because of politics and everybody loses focus. It gets out of control. People get accused who, who aren't guilty. People who aren't guilty, who are guilty guilty get away with it that's the point so now we're seeing the same kind of thing we saw this during COVID-19 we're seeing it now and of course that doesn't mean that there is no such thing as a transgender person or that people can't be that and not be the drag queen story time predator kind of framing but this is the game that gets played one side of the paradigm and it's not everybody that identifies as Republican either but the aggressive side of it it's everything they're saying it's it's all predators and pedophiles and nothing else exists on the other side Everyone's okay, even the pedophiles. And that's the absurdity of this. And the reality is there's a lot of us, and I argue the majority of people in this country and the rest of the world exist within those two crazy sides, but they love to jam us all in those sides as best as they can. Now, the Ukraine topic is important on the same way, the same exact kind of conversation, because it is obvious what's really going on. And I think, I mean, I don't even think I I should say I think. It's clear that everybody the vast majority of people in this country are at least beginning, like even the New York Times, I keep jumping my points, but even the New York Times came out with an article, which we're going to talk about, where it's kind of like saying, well, yeah, we there's clearly Nazi stuff everywhere, but let me once again try to obfuscate this by acting like it's not what you think and not what it literally looks like. Yes, it's a Nazi salute, but here's why he doesn't understand what he's doing. It's a really pathetic effort to hide what we can all see. And then how that di- affects the entire narrative, it just shows you that they know they're lying. And this is a dangerous thing coming back to the first point when we're talking about children, when we're talking about the lives of children, the sexual future of children, because that's one of the interesting parts and alarming parts is that we're talking about infertility yet again. Kind of hard not to see that as a recurring factor. Now, I, I'll, I could talk all day off the top, but let's get into some opening points about things that I'm not going to include in the show today, but I've kind of started to do that I think is important to get into. Now, I want to start with a recent article that Derek just put out, which we actually just talked about in the last show. Technocracy in action. WHO and European Commission partner for digital health with new COVID-19 digital certificate. You know, that completely dangerous misinformation conspiracy theory story that if you're talking about you're, you're killing people and you're going to 
oh yeah, now it's happening. Just like all the rest of them. <laughs> you're crazy and dangerous, and oh, now you have to do it or you're crazy and dangerous. Cool. Just like the great meme that says, 2020, vaccine passports are misinformation. If you talk about it, you're dangerous, spreading dangerous misinformation. Okay, and then 2021, they're something we need. And if you don't tell us we need them, then you're spreading dangerous misinformation. How can those people step into that narrative and not go, oh, so that thing that I was screaming people down about was true and it doesn't matter. That shows you that those people don't even care about the truth. They care about being right. They care about forcing other people to do what they think is right. That's a lot of what happens here. That's why most people are not buying in this, buying this anymore. But a lot of those people are afraid to say that. But we just talked about this. This is the, the clip from Tedros where he's telling you that this is what it's going to be. A global vaccine certificate. The digital ID, which is necessary to make that happen. All of those were shouted down as absolute lunacy. And now they're being given. And by the way, they've already been handed out in the EU. Many of them that happened in Israel, the Green Pass. But even while that was happening, it's all fake news. Now, what's scary is the people that actually say that and believe it. But the even, well, maybe even more scary are the people that say that and know it's not true. Either way. It is happening, guys. Derek's been writing about this forever. He wrote about this. And I've tagged, it's all tagged in here. He wrote about this way back in the beginning. That's where this document comes from, from 2019. Where you guys have all seen this, because we've talked about it relentlessly, and a lot of platforms have, that the EU had planned this exact moment in time. Now explain that for me. Long before we got here, 2019. That's when this was, this is the update. Now they have, the newest one is updated as of 2022. And frustratingly enough, you can't find the Wayback Machine version of this, but lucky for you, we have the link. It's right here. You can click on it, find it for yourself. Oh, it, it's, the, it's the link from 2019. And the point is that you can see they were already talking about a common EU vaccination card. And somehow they magically knew that right between 2021 and 2022, which is when they issued those in <laughs> proposal of common vaccination card. Now, 2022 is when this happened. How do you explain that unless this is a, oh, that's right, a roadmap for the implementation of actions by the, you get it? It was a plan. And COVID-19 just magically corresponded with that? Hardly. I think we all know what this is. Now, I'm not saying I know the full story, but clearly there's more planning than we're being told. And that should be enough for people to recognize there's a problem. Now, this is being done around the world. This is one of the great points not to forget. Uh, I think it was the, uh, where was it? The, yeah, the U New York University School of Law. <laughs> you know, that fringe conspiracy theory location. They issued a 100-page report uh, in 2022 literally saying this was, it's called, it was titled Paving a Digital Road to Hell with a question mark. But of course, when you read it, that's what they're talking about. That any kind of idea like this has already been seen to lead to egregious human rights violations, predominantly in the global south, which is where they're really pushing this first under the guise that you need this for the future and to be, you know, we, they, they frame it like they're all screaming for digital identification because we don't have an ID. They don't want it. Mexico, South, they don't want this. But they're doing it anyway because you're not voting for this. Oh, excuse me. Let's pretend like our votes actually change anything anywhere. But the bottom line is this is happening anyway. We must unite all the people of the world who value bodily autonomy and individual liberty. Read the rest of this. It's an outstanding article, as always, from Derek Rose. Now, I wanted to mention a couple of other opening points here. Now, so there's some sad news that you might, many of you probably already saw. Now, this has been aware. Uh, Taylor had been aware of this, and she let me know a moment ago before, not a few days ago. And the point was they were trying to, you know, kind of shore some things up in regard to his personal effects. And the family had asked that nobody, so we didn't say anything. But apparently it got out somehow. And the point is that Professor Arna Burkhardt has passed away. Now, 
I'm not going to comment anymore on those the, the surroundings of the topic because as I understand it, there's a, so there's a, it's a very strange discussion. Now, the, the story being talked about is that he was trying to save his son from drowning in a lake and he drowned. It's a very strange story. And a lot of it doesn't add up to me. That's not saying I know anything any more than that. But there, I, I'm not even going to get into it anymore. The point is that ultimately that's what the story is. I don't know that I can confirm that just yet. But the bottom line is that he has passed away and that has been confirmed by Bhakti and plenty of others within that circle. Now, I, re- I sh- and this, my point is we have known this for a little bit, and I just saw this shared by a few people. This, Taylor didn't say anything about it when she shared this, but another, I think it was a UK column that have heard from somebody and they talked about it. Danny Rancourt just shared something, so I decided to make, to talk about this. Now, the point was that these images you can see here are in fact what the one I keep telling you about. You guys knew about this because you watched the show. We've been letting you know that she has this interview and she's editing it right now. This was the last interview with Professor Arna Burkhart before he passed away. And I think this is a really, and this, this work was really important to him, which he expressed to Taylor. This is very, very, very important. And we're going to make sure this gets out and that there's the honor his memory because what he was fighting for this work is important. He's talking about the contamination, the, the ingredients, all these things that are supposed to be conspiracy theory that he's proving very sad. Yet another person, we have Butar recently now on a Burkhart. I mean, it's very upsetting to see this. Now, I wanted to point something out that I just think is frustrating. Not that I necessarily have to get into this, but this person just says, you know, kind of like it was wrong for me to post this. I don't really understand that. I'm kind of getting very frustrated. Now, I'm aware there are trolls and people that are, you know, all types of stuff. But I'm getting very frustrated with a lot of the the subjective, assumptive things that are happening in this community and people that are attacking. Like, there's a lot of people. Anyway, the bottom line is, as I said, this interview that was very important to Professor Burkhart, he expressed this. I'm confused by the idea that we shouldn't be putting this out. This is he was very passionate about what this was. And he obviously wanted this to get out. So the idea that we somehow shouldn't be putting this out or be talking about it on Twitter like that somehow. I don't even understand where that's coming from. I mean, I find it monumentally important to share this work now, especially now because of him, because he wanted this to get out. Of course, you could frame this as somehow we're benefiting from his death. I don't know who would take it that way, especially with who I have presented myself to be and am this entire time I've been doing this. I mean, count. I mean, I, I should pat myself on the back, but my God, all the things we've done that are wildly selfless that I've no benefit from just to get the information out. The bottom line is this is important and this needs to get out for him. Now, it will be coming out soon. Taylor's literally working on it today. And every day in the last, she, this, this is a, it's le- looking like it's going to be a three hour interview, guys. This was a huge undertaking. This is the one I was telling you about. This is where some of the, the, you know, I told you we put a lot of these funds to use. This is, this was a bit high level multi-camera 4k interview that has so much important information and it's going to be coming out as soon as she's done. So keep it up, be ready for that. Cause it's going to be a lot of powerful information, but it's sad to see this yet again. I just want to make sure you guys saw that. Because, you know, and, and possibly Taylor, Taylor and I will follow up with more information, but I'm going to go ahead and leave it there for the moment. Now, I want to also point out this. I thought this was very important because we've also talked about this very person many, many times in the January 6th conversation. And actually, on that note, I'll grab at least one of these. Let's do this one. I've written about this in many, many times. This is just the... January 6th, the failed false flag meant to blame Russia and you using the CIA grown Azov movement. No, this is Julie Kelly. You're not familiar, but you can read it here. 
what it, I spoke with Ray Samuel, the January 6th protester at the first exterior breach of the Capitol. Ray Epps whispered something to him. Now, we all have seen that. And everybody claims, and even he says that he was basically, oh, let's let's pull back, whatever that narrative, I forget what the exact statement was. Apparently, he says something quite different. He says Epps pulled him aside and said, don't pull. I've got people. We have to push through. Now, could he be lying? Of course he could. That's very interesting, though. So I figured I'd put it in front of you for you guys to continue. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I did, I did, I tried to do my best. I don't know how we could ever flesh this out, seeing as how that's his personal statement about what he heard, but that has to hold some water. Of course, he could be lying. That's always possible. But man, that adds up with, I mean, we already know all the different times where he, he even himself admitted to it orchestrating this and then kind of walked that back in his later statements. That was on the record in court. But I think that just continues to show you what this really was a, False flag, or yeah, I mean that's a false flag, really, but a psychological operation with all the hundreds of FBI people that we now know were there. I mean, this is so obvious. And if they're willing to do this to tear our country apart for obvious manipulation, then you they don't care about this country or you. On that note, I found this very interesting. We've seen there's this is coming from multiple. Bottom line is the story is the FBI is kind of speaking up and saying, well, we can't guarantee the safety of the Biden whistleblower after revealing what he knows. Think about that statement for a second. The FBI, and you can read about it here. I have another tweet about it in a second, but the point is that we're not going to be able to protect him. What exactly would that even mean? So you already know that you, so you, so then what's your job? What so you're inept then you're admitting that we aren't good at our jobs or that you somehow know that this entity that you're not really getting into that might be going after them, or somehow you know that they're able to circumvent your ability to stop them. I mean, how, how else do you take that but a threat? I think that's ridiculous. And this was made even more clear by clandestine here that says, uh, who exactly, and they read this one first, just left a meeting in House Oversight. This is from Representative Anna Pollyanna Luna. The FBI is afraid their informant will be killed if unmasked, based on the info he was brought forward about the Biden family. And the portion says, who exactly is the FBA fear would be doing the killing? And why do they find themselves incapable of defending a high-profile informant? That's a really good question. I'm inclined to agree. This kind of sounds like a warning to say, well, you know, you might just up and die if you decide to speak on this. That's ridiculous, guys. That's not their job to, like, their job would be, look, we'll do our best to keep you safe. The fact that they would speak up and be like, well, you might die, (laughs) which is basically what that amounts to, is obviously meant to, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, that's my opinion. But man, that seems pretty ridiculous. And they says, you know, he just goes forward. Who are they concerned might even kill him, right? Like, who are they talking about? Who do they, who do they know? Suddenly, so they must be, I mean, obviously the argument at the moment is that the rising white supremacy threat and the Republicans are all the big danger right now, right? And so this is not this, these, they support what's happening here. You know, the Republicans, what I mean, not, not the white, rising white threat that they're framing it as. So they're saying that Democrats might kill somebody for speaking out. And why would that make sense? Like, if you really think about this for a second, this doesn't really make much sense. Unless they act, unless they're implying that that means that the Biden family or somebody in government or somebody involved might do something, which seems to suggest that they know this is real. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. This is an interesting statement. Maybe there's a reason. Maybe that's the reason. Maybe they're trying to let us know they know. I don't know. But something about that seems wrong, just like everything else going on right now. Another important note that's not going to be other than this tweet, but you can read this for yourself. Not sure how to break this to the climate alarmist. This is not the first many. This is I've seen many of these over the last two years. 
But a rigorous peer-reviewed 10-year study shows that Antarctic ice shelves are in fact growing. Some places in retreat, but many others growing faster. Just return from there. The whales and penguins are thriving. Now, it's a study. They're going to say, this guy's an anti-climate denier or daily skeptic. Is well, what about the 10-year study peer-reviewed? You know, doesn't matter. Look at it for yourself. It's real. Now, of course, the study doesn't mean it's absolute. Like, everybody should have always known before COVID. But the bottom line is that there's plenty of science that shows you, based on not your little cookie-cutter look, you know, example, that, they're, that we're being misled about this larger discussion. Does not mean in any way that we're not hurting the planet. You can clearly look at that if you just want to take a peek at, you know, China and the U.S. military. Pretty much the two leading polluters on the planet that don't seem to care. Last point in the opening points here. Face masks to return at Tour de France to limit COVID-19 cases in the... Yeah, that's three days ago. Hmm. To limit COVID-19? You mean the thing they're all telling us is over and that only vaccinated people are seemingly spreading rampant, which we're proving with all the peer-reviewed science? Make sense of this for me. And then make sense of the fact that we literally know this is going to hurt them while they're riding their bikes and exerting their effort. How in the world does this make sense? I mean... How much you want to bet? Mark my words. If somebody wants to have an, ex- have an experiment here, if you want to compare and track everybody competing this year to their times from any other Tour de France before this, or even just compare the general times from this time to last time, I will bet you my life that it will be dramatically lower. Somehow, magically, everybody's going to get a worse time. I could be wrong, but prove me wrong. Watch as it happens, because the masks will without doubt, have an effect on their ability to breathe, their ability to continue to race. Most of them probably just take them off while they're not in the camera. That's what I would be willing to bet. Either way, this is absolutely asinine. You are going to hurt people is what's going to happen under this guise that you're going to spread something that's not here, not dangerous, and not even putting these people at risk while they're drive, riding their bikes out in the open. Unbelievable how stupid this is. But hey, it's still happening, which is showing you the problem. Now, I want to quickly, before we jump on to the first topic of Twitter and uh, some opening points about East Palestine as well. I wanted to let you guys know where you can support us. I think this is important. This is a video that somebody made for me as a, as a viewer, which I really appreciate. in the podcast it's simply just showing all of our different locations most of them anyway On top of that, guys, if there's anybody out there who has the ability to do something much larger, we're looking for that, right? If you're out there and you're an investor and you want to help this platform, reach out to me. I'm going to tell you right now, you will have zero input on content or editorial choices. But if you believe in this and you're somebody out there who could make that happen, reach out to us, guys, because we're ready. We're trying to make some big moves here. Now, here is another location. This is the uh, 
free speech absolutist t-shirt on the back that says I sport the last American vagabond at the outstanding blue frog t-shirt location. Here's the link. If you want to buy these and support our platform, you could donate directly on the website in a lot of different ways through even mail in and different things like that. And then of course we have our autonomy program, how to do objective research, which I'm very proud of. Thank you to Richard Grove and everybody at the grand theft world and autonomy platform for letting the, for having letting making this happen and really truly forcing me to make this happen. Cause it was, you know, as you know, me, there's so much going on. It was hard to kind of sit down and make this happen, but it was, it's really good. I'm proud of this. So make sure you check that out. Now let's get into first East Palestine. I want to make sure you guys didn't miss this in regard to the interview. I just had with Scott C. Smith, but I really think it was powerful. I'm really important about what's going the, the, how obvious it is that it's, we are being lied to in real time, but what's going on on the ground. Now, I want to play this little video for you real quick. Just a, one part of this, this an interview. This is from four months ago. Okay, four months ago. So we're talking right when this happened. So pr- almost almost exactly like right in the beginning of this, this discussion. Now, what's important here, you guys know what we've been told, right? Over and over and over after like the, oh, the last so many months or last month, I should say. DeWine has said, I wasn't involved. I wasn't there. I didn't make that choice. Well, I'm going to, I, not that we need to, there's like a hundred articles that make this clear, but they'll show you yet again, another interview where they're telling you, yeah, he was in the room. He made that choice as well as the government. So ask yourself how it makes sense that both the EPA and DeWine are going like, oh, well, you didn't know. And what that actually shows you, that shows you desperation. And it's important to see that because it shows you that what you are trying to do and what you think is happening, you're right. And the best they can do is deny We're breaking back into right here. Smoke is able to get up that high in the sky. Uh, This would remind further this way. Sorry, right here. Wait a minute. Explosion like the first time. Nobody's houses were cold. Five here on the phone with me. I have Mike Ruley, the state senator uh, from. Why is that at ten minutes? That doesn't even make sense. You can see it. Oh, I see, because I had it starting at the wrong spot. My apologies. Oh, you can't see the screen. <laughs> anyway, shut up, Ryan. The district that's represented in East Palestine, uh, Ohio State Center. Mike, can you hear me? Yes, sir. All right, you were in the command center today when the decisions were being made on how this was going to come down. Can you explain to me what just happened? Yes, uh, so they made the decision right about 11 o'clock this morning, and it was done with Governor DeWine and Governor Shapiro together. Yep. And Both of which are now lying about that. There was a couple questions. The biggest question we have was the temperature inside the car. Once it reaches 185 degrees, it'll explode like a bomb. So the temperature at that time was 135. Yesterday it was 152. And, they said- and that explosion would have been monumentally better in my opinion than what they did whether or not that shrapnel might have blown up and hurt an individual right i mean like really think about that i'm not saying it's good that that might have happened but how will you know first of all let it you should have tried to in case it as best you can and let it explode cover it was i don't know i don't even know but it would have been better to potentially have a risk of explosion for shrapnel hitting somebody than to cause a life a generation causing environmental disaster obviously i don't think this was by accident it could have spiked dramatically. So they brought in, there's a family that lives in Louisiana. This is all they do for the federal government. When there's a train derailment, they actually do the relief to get the pressure off of these cars. Okay, what is that about? Now, Orwell and I were trying to find this today. 
<clears throat> if you have any information on that, that doesn't make any sense to me. So apparently anywhere in the country, there's a derailment where there's a problem like that. They get this family from Louisiana. What, what's their name? <laughs> Who do they work for? That sounds weird as hell to me, but we, I, I will try to find out what's going on there, what that is. And I, something tells me there's going to be an interesting story there. So all five of the cars had an explosion that was placed on the top, a device, and on the bottom so they could have controlled detonation. And so they were all done together. And the, 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 the thought process was the, the detonation on top of the car would relieve all the pressure that because these are highly sophisticated rail cars that transport these chemicals. So they wanted to release the pressure at the top. And then they were going to drain the fluid from the bottom. And they had trenched a huge pit around all five of those. And so once the pressure gets out of the... Now, I, I keep asking why all five. Right? I mean, the argument, there was one, as far as I could tell, based on their own documents that we've reviewed back in the beginning, that was at risk. And yet they chose to dump all five with no barrier on the ground, even though there was time to do that, and light it on fire. And by the way, yeah, I, I, generational problem is what I was saying. Like, that this is, this is going to go on lo a long time, which is what we continue to see. Kind of like we see things in Iraq and these, you know, these birth defects that go generational because they use things like that. Or Vietnam when, oh, yeah, they used TCDD. What a coincidence. Same thing that's happening here, at least in one part. Out of the car. Which, again, dioxins is the point. They were going to ignite the, fire, the, 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 the fluid so it would burn off. And then once that was done, we have federal EPA and state EPA. They're going to re remove 20 feet of the dirt all around the site because it's contaminated. So I heard what he was saying. It was It's actually the best scenario right now. That cloudy plume that you see going straight up wow. with the weather conditions on our side, hopefully it'll dissipate within the atmosphere within the next 24 hours. Oh, hopefully. That's cool, right? So even their their best cases hopefully that just will go away but how about the fact that that doesn't matter truly that what you're doing right there with the chemicals we know with the byproducts we're aware of is guaranteed which somehow i was able to suss out within two days but not these experts right explain that for me uh, the, the, the are you, are you have you seen pictures of the plume yet have you seen the video of it i have i have not only friends but i have employees that live in that area and i'm getting a ton of pictures and okay. video. Is this no, no one heard an explosion. There was no explosion like the first time. Nobody's houses were shaken like the first time. And everyone's sending me that same gray plume. No one's really seen flames anywhere. Well, there was flames. We've seen flames at the bottom of it. Okay. Yeah. Well, these guys <laughs> okay. Thanks, expert. We saw them. Cool. You realize these guys are taking pictures far away. Well, I shouldn't say expert. I think he's government. But either way, the point is just that you know, it's the guys like, yeah, well, they're right there. We can see them. You know, this whole thing is just, it's just a controlled narrative. We have to see that by now. Because the perimeter, nobody, right. no living person is allowed in that perimeter. You talk a little bit about this company. So they brought in a company from Louisiana that specializes in this to do this? It's a family. This is what they do. This is all they do. This is their only job. What? Okay, I want to thank you very much, Mike. Oh, well, oh, I'm getting the yank, so we'll move on. Like, that was weird, right? So clearly this guy was like, what about that weird family thing you said? And the guy makes it even more weird and cryptic. That's all they ever do. That's their only job. Okay, we're moving on. Like, am I the only one that found that pretty weird? Like, the guy was like, wait, wait, wait. Like, he clearly poked back into that one point, and then he gives him more questions, and yet the guy just moves on. I, I, I Maybe I'm reading something where nothing is there, but I, something about that does not sit well with me.
one family, their only job is to, to, to <laughs> that just seems really silly. Like, why wouldn't there be an expert? Like, there's probably a hundred other people in this country that could very clearly be, you know, their background would be the kind of people that would deal with, you know, pressure and explosions and, and chemical release. But nope, you pick a couple fan. That sounds like the, the, the group that runs Snopes, right? Oh, it's a couple that lives in this Louisiana town that we pull over every time. I don't know. I, there's something very strange about that to me. I appreciate you for giving us the time and a little explanation of how we got to this point today. Good luck, guys. All right, Mike, thanks. Thanks. Very interesting. Well, so easiest point to make is that Governor DeWine is lying, right? I mean, it's amazing that he thinks he can get away with that and probably will, to be quite honest. But I mean, in the sense of us seeing it, he'll get away. Clearly, they're all going to get away because that's what always happens until we recognize the two-party paradigm is stopping us from doing anything. He's like, I wasn't there. And yet you have all this evidence, including his own statements. But you're wrong because narrative. Daily Wire points out the pen. This is just going through a couple older points from that point forward. Pennsylvania governor suggests the company involved in Ohio train crash wanted to burn the chemicals to get railway to open faster. Yeah, exactly the point. Same same reason they buried this, got the train running only for them to dig it back up because, oh, there's a danger. Are we going to pretend that they thought it was safe to rebury it right now? No, the only thing they wanted was to get that train moving and get it out of there. So here's another thought. Maybe there was something else on that train that didn't crash. And that was the point. National security. I've been saying that from the beginning. There's a whole many, there's so many parts of this don't add up. Either way, very clearly, even people in the government are going, you know, that doesn't make sense. Both logically, logistically, safety, none of it unless you consider that they were just trying to get it moving, either to hide something they don't want you to see or money, both of which make sense. Very interesting. Now, we just talked about this with Scott C. Smith, which you should check out, the East Palestine disaster and the continuing EPA cover-up. Now, he's going to reach out to me when he has some more time. And if I, I told him if I'm able, when, when he's got this press conference he's going to do, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll try to fly out there if I'm able and I've got the resources. But if not, then I'll just kind of try to cover it from where I can. But it's important, I think. Now, we talked about a lot of big stuff in this, about the cover-up, the families that are being hurt, the, the testing, the, the evidence. And don't forget, he's only one independent expert. There's been, what, four or five now that have been there? Texas A&M was one of the groups that went. And guess what? Just as The Guardian told you, they found chemicals and dioxins in particular hundreds of times above the safe level. Amazing how that wasn't enough when the EPA goes wrong. Our samples say otherwise. So you got continual statements from the EPA who's been caught lying, like from 9-11, right? Like, we shouldn't forget that obvious reality. Let's see if I can even pull that up. Here it is. Bingo. I mean, you know, it's things like this, like like with Pfizer, for example, who's been caught lying and caught cheating and caught selling things that don't work and caught selling things with wrong you know, lying about side effects over and over and over. We're not even allowed to question them today, even though we now know they did it again. We can prove it with peer-reviewed science, but fake news. EPA misleads on air quality after 9-11 attack. But here they're going, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Except everybody's, everyone else, literally every other independent expert's like, well, they're dangerous. People are being hurt. And then, of course, on top of that, you can find the entire damn town suffering the same things that then are weirdly the symptoms you'd expect based on the chemicals that were there. But it's all fake news. Like, I just can't get past this. I, un, I want the people need to be put in jail. This is so damn obvious. And people are being hurt right now. Still to this very day. You know what he told me? He says he's going there to test. He's still going back. 
He'll go in there four months after this, and he'll have to leave after a day because his throat starts to hurt. That's what we're hearing from everybody else. It is still in the air and still in something that's around, I should say, because it's affecting people even when they step into town. You still have people saying when they go to work and come back, they feel fine at work. They come back into town, they feel sick. Pustules on their face, oozing things out of their face, all sorts of things that are real and are being covered. He also said there's an increase in heart attacks menstrual problems now my point was maybe that's the vaccine side effects but you know you this is a pretty republican place as i understand it doesn't mean there weren't a lot of them that did it trump's still telling you it's the right thing to do so who knows what's actually happening but the bottom line is all of those things are being ignored because it's all in your head they're literally telling them they're having stress here is an update from june 5th from the east Pal- this is from uh, norfolk southern or excuse me the epa about what happened and their ongoing work norfolk southern continues to excavate the north track and expect so again that point earlier, then it, that's still happening. So yet they somehow thought they could just bury it really quickly and go on and it would be done in half a day. Clearly not. They did it because they wanted that train out of there, and then they continued to work. So what they did is knowingly con- it, ex- uh, expand, increase the time it would take to fix it. And that's the last thing that's in your benefit. That was one of the first things they did after that. And it was something that was immediately to your detriment because they care about you. Mid-June, they said they're going to be done with, you know, whatever kinetic work they're doing has nothing to do with whether you're safe, whatever's going on in the air, right? Whatever the reality is of the illness that people are suffering, which is very clear to me. But it says uh, excavation at the Pleasant Drive track crossing will be good today. And it goes on to say, let's see. Surrounding area. I was going to just show you a couple parts of this. Perimeter air monitoring stations are located around around the rail work zone, which is stupid because this obviously goes a lot further than that. But it says, while cleanup is ongoing, EPA is reviewing work plans. And they're telling you, look at what we did. We removed all of this soil waste, 57 tons, excuse me, 57,000 tons, 20 million gallons of liquid waste. Right. And that's my point. They're doing that. Even though I've proven to you over and over and over, I've called these locations on the phone, spoke to them, and they tell me that they're not, they're not even considering dioxins. That's despite the fact that they can prove and already have, even the EPA's admitted that there is a problem or that the dioxins are present. Their narrative is what shifts this. Well, it's not dangerous. It is though. We've proven that hundreds of times above the level. For those that might be unaware of the discussion. Oh, it's not going to pop up, of course. Let's see. Oh, there it is. Just to show you, if it means more to you to see the corporate media saying it, this is from The Guardian, March twenty, March 17th. Newly re- released data showing that the Ohio town, the soil, contains dioxin levels hundreds of times greater than the exposure threshold, which the environmental EPA scientists say are safe. People are being given cancer right now, according to The Guardian, right now, and still to this day, based on everything we're seeing, and suddenly, no, apparently nobody cares. My point, though, is that this is happening. They're shipping these things, as it says, EPA forcing this waste on facilities that we proved aren't even able to deal with dioxins or PFAS, both of which are actually in the soil. And Clean Harbors, which he mentions, there's something fishy going on with this because he goes, oh, like he, he recognized Clean Harbors. And he, and he was like, I'm not going to comment, really. And then, I, then I, when I told him, I said, well, it's happening. Oh, really? 
So because he's focusing on that one, just what's happening on the ground. This is happening. They are shipping it to these locations. There's clearly some kind of a deal here. My point is they don't have the ability to deal with what we can prove is in the ground. The Clean Harbors Waste Disposal Ohio Scandal. In an honest world, this would be groundbreaking worldwide news. Not today. Not until Tucker or somebody else talks about it, of course, you know, because that, that's when it means something. EPA orders a pause of contaminated waste removal from Ohio. Remember that? February 25th. So even, even they had to step in, and the point was, well, we need to make sure it goes to the right places. Remember that? They needed to, needed to check and cert, make sure it was going to certified places. So even they had to step in because the point was it wasn't going to the right place. So even they admitted that in the beginning. And then guess what? Then they continued to send it to these places, which I proved. So it was like, oh, we caught it. Now we're fixing it. And then we're going to keep doing the same thing. That's what actually happened. It's absolutely mind-blowing. Now it says, this week, North Pleasant Drive will be closed. And they're just telling you what's going on. It says, the EPA will oversee air monitoring and other controls to ensure safety, which they're lying about. They're literally telling people nothing's wrong. There's no, our, our tests are finding nothing as they're throwing up, having headaches, passing out, getting sick. Their kids have been sick for three months. That's what parents are saying. But you're, but you're wrong. It's all stress. That's what, they're, that's what EPA is saying. What to expect? Contaminated soil and waste stockpiles are covered overnight. Oh, well, that means, oh, they must be safe then. Vapor suppressants are used to address odor because that's all they care about, the smell, right? They don't care about the fact that, as, as Scott told you, when they dig up the, the ground, the dust particles, which have dioxins and everything else on them, which they're not testing, which he proved, they don't care about that, as long as you don't smell it. EPA continues to document all these activities, uh, and it says trains are operating in both directions because clearly we care about that, right? Posted a bunch of sessions for you guys to be told what you're, that you're wrong. Air quality. EPA continues to review the findings, which supports air monitoring trends, and, and say air quality remains below screening levels. What does that mean? What's your arbitrary screen level? And why does that not alarm people when that number shows 100 times the level of what we're sold is safe? But as long as their level that they say is background was already, this is the point they keep making, that there was already clearly a problem of dioxins in the country that no one wants to talk about. And all they can say is, well, it's no higher than what was already there. Well, yeah, that's already dangerous. But Scott has already proven that they're lying about that. Areas that are nowhere near these chemicals, they do show something, which is my point. But the areas that are close, he's proving that they're higher. And that they're in, the, in the, the areas where they're higher, that's where they're all dealing with problems. Simple. But the, here they go on to tell you, liquid waste removal, full to all these things, it's all being dumped in places that aren't solving it, and then continuing the spread of dioxins. Fact. But nobody cares, right? It's very defeating sometimes. Because this is done. I mean, it's there. I proved this. I literally talked to them. I've got all the documentation. I've got everything in there that proves both their both their statements, their own personal documentation that shows they don't have the ability to do so, which in one case is an incinerator that don't have. And the only documentation you'll find will say the only way to deal with the oxygen, even sometimes not even able to, is by incineration, and they don't have one. And I prove that. We show it, and nothing happens. We live in a controlled society, guys. It's frustrating, but you guys see it. Help some, make, what's help get this out, right? I mean, quite frankly, whether, it doesn't even matter. The point is, as long as it stops, that's, that's what's most important. And they help these people. But let's talk about Tucker Carlson. This is something that just came out. You didn't know Tucker's now on Twitter. That's the new thing, right? Now, 
we'll play this and we'll stop and make some comments throughout it. But my concern here is that people are taking this bait yet again. Right. I mean, it's just frustrating. Like if, if all I need, if all people need to do to come out to get people's trust on certain political standings is to come out and say, JFK, aliens, 9-11. Probably going to be pretty easy to fool you. Right. Because that seems like exactly what Trump was saying before he got elected. How'd that work out? I'm very frustrated that people can't see through this. Now, I, I, some, a lot of people can't. I'm not saying that means he's dishonest or I, I don't know, but I do find it very clear that this is not this is about controlling the narrative. Now, let me, let's play it. And we'll make some comments. Hey, it's Tucker Carlson. This morning, it looks like somebody blew up the Kokovka Dam in southern Ukraine. The Russian, which we'll be talking about at the end, wall of water wiped out entire villages, destroyed a critical hydropower plant. And as of tonight, puts the largest nuclear reactor in Europe in danger of melting down. So if this was intentional, it was not a military tactic. It was an act of terrorism. The question is, who did it? Well, let's see. The Kokovka Dam was effectively Russian. It was built by the Russian government. It currently sits in Russian-controlled territory. The dam's reservoir supplies water to Crimea, which has been for the last 250 Let me know in the chat, guys, if you want me to skip past this per- first, but we're going to get into all this in the latter half of the show. My point is more so about his general dial- monologue in this. So let me know in the chat if you, if you want to just listen to his part on this as well. 40 years, home of the Russian Black Sea Fleet. Blowing up the dam may be bad for Ukraine, but it hurts Russia more. And for precisely that reason, the Ukrainian government has considered destroying it. In December, the Washington Post quoted a Ukrainian general saying his men had fired American-made rockets at the dam's floodgate as a test strike. So really, once the facts start coming in, it becomes much less of a mystery what might have happened to the dam. Any fair person would conclude that the Ukrainians probably blew it up, just as you would assume they blew up Nord Stream, the Russian natural gas pipeline. That's a very objective way to frame that. I appreciate that, right? Because we don't know for sure, but... Logically speaking, it, it seems to make a lot of sense with all the previous actions, and I agree, 100%. Last fall, and in fact, the Ukrainians did do that, as we now know. It's not like Vladimir Putin is anxious to wage war on himself. Well, what's interesting, though, is the argument that I'm going to get into this again. The the the, the well, there's another article saying that we now know that Ukrainians were doing planning or seeking out the Nord Stream. I, I don't I don't know if I uh, go if I. It seems more likely to me, based on the other work we've discussed, that it was the United States specifically. And you could argue that was done through Ukraine. But, you know, that's that's I'm not sure. You know, it's interesting to see how this plays out. But overall, what we're talking about here is the obvious reality. And I think that's why The New York Times and the rest of them are trying to, like, walk some of this stuff back, that these people are dangerous, which you all know. You've been watching the show from the very beginning of this. And it's obvious what they really are. But I think, you know. The overarching point is that the U.S. government is willing to fund these kind of people and willing to put them in positions to be able to take action just like this on other countries, which is why we're not going to get into. They can, the Ukrainians continue to uh, attack into Russia, which I, can't, I just can't even believe. That's not like the biggest story in the world. You literally have a U.S. proxy on the ground, literally both assassinating people in the capital, but also crossing borders and, and fighting into Russia. I mean, what is that if not obvious war, world war? I mean, crazy. But the point is, uh, you know, we I think we know what they really are. Oh, but that's where you're wrong, Mr. and Mrs. Cable News consumer. 
Vladimir Putin is exactly that sort of man, the sort of man who'd shoot himself to death in order to annoy you. We know this from the American media, which wasted no time this morning in accusing the Russians of sabotaging their own infrastructure. Bill Kristol, the man who once told us that Saddam Hussein was responsible for 9-11, immediately denounced Putin as a war criminal and even more savagely compared him to Donald Trump. The rest of the pundit class made similar, clearly coordinated noises. Putin did it! Putin did it! And their reasoning was simple. Putin is evil, and evil people do evil things purely for the dark joy of being evil. That's the point we make all the time about Assad and Syria and the rest of it. That right, he's just he's just a maniac that wants to kill children, and that's that's enough. I mean, it's it's a it's the classic point. I have a hard time taking it seriously when he frames himself as not part of the American corporate media, right? Even though, I mean, literally while still being under contract with Fox, which is right now. Explain that. In this specific case, Putin attacked himself, which is the most evil thing you can do, and therefore perfectly in character for a man that evil. That was their explanation. No one who's paid to cover these things seemed to entertain even the possibility it could have been Ukrainians who did it. No chance of that. Ukraine, as you may have heard, is led by a man called Zelensky. And we can say for a dead certain fact that he was not involved. He couldn't have been. Zelensky is too decent for terrorism. Now, you see him on television. It's true you might form a different impression. Sweaty and rat-like. A comedian turned oligarch. A persecutor of Christians. A friend of BlackRock. But don't believe your own eyes. Actually, Mr. Zelensky is a very good man. The best, really. As George W. Bush once noted, he is our generation's Winston Churchill. Of all the people in the world, our shifty, dead-eyed Ukrainian friend in the tracksuit is uniquely incapable of blowing up a dam. He's literally a living saint, a man in whom there is no sin. That's why Lindsey Graham is so attracted to him. They're just two good people, hanging out together and being good. And like all good people, when they meet in person, like, see, this is where I have, I get really irritated with this kind of, con like, get to the, I mean, look, I talk a lot. I'm not going to pretend like I'm going to, you know, I, I'll go off on tangents and so on. But to me, this just begins to feel like you're just belaboring the point to make it more, like, this is where I talk about, like, the team sport politics, where people just like to, they love the, the you know, the attacks and the, uh, the, uh, the, the, you know, the snipes at each other. Like, I just, that's. The idea of where he's attracted to, I don't know, the what he's continuing to say there is just kind of like the, the same thing for a long period of time because it's really just about making fun as opposed to the actual facts, right? I mean, maybe maybe I'm over overthinking it, but my I feel like a lot of what these kind of people in the corporate media are meant to do is, you know, use the truth in order to, as a means to an end. But ultimately the goal is to create the same division that I'm always pointing at that stops, it, no matter what information you have, if you're in the two-party paradigm, stopping you from actually seeing any real change come to, come to pass. That'd be my opinion anyway. And they spend a lot of time talking about killing people and laughing like friends do. Here's the pair last week. Free or die. Free or die. Now you are free. And you guys saw this yes. already. And we will be. And the Russians are dying. The best money we've ever spent. And remember, they are they go, oh, well, they clipped that and edited it. Well, who put it out? The Ukrainian ministry. Yeah, the, the Ukrainian government did. So if you're claiming they edited it dishonestly, then explain for me why the Ukrainian military is lying to the American people. Doesn't that show that they're dishonest? Doesn't it show that they are doing this at the detriment to the U.S. government? None of that matters, apparently, to any of the corporate media, right? But the point, nonetheless, is that he said this.
Russians are dying. And then at some point in the conversation said, best money we ever spent. So it doesn't, that's not, whether or not it was clipped in the middle, the point is that he said this. And we all know his tie to all of this from the very beginning. We've shown you the clip from 2017 with McCain and the Azov movement saying, our, your fight is our fight before they were even supposed to be involved. It's so silly. It's absolute ridiculousness. Thank you so much. No, it's- the Russians are dying. It's the best money we've ever spent, Graham says. A smile spreads across his thin, quivering lips as he forms the words. Stuff like that. Just my opinion. <laughs> he looks like a starving man contemplating a breakfast buffet. Right. The aroma of death has aroused Lindsey Graham. Thanks so much, replies Zelensky. He feels the same way. See, there's nothing dark here. Just two middle-aged guys celebrating the killing of a population. They don't seem like the kind of people who'd enjoy flooding villages or starting a famine. And in any case, who cares if they are? It's really not your business. Your job is to support Ukraine. Watch Nikki Haley, a Republican candidate for president, explain this principle on CNN. A win for Ukraine is a- Which we're also gonna get into later in the show. Win for all of us. And for them to sit there and say that this is a territorial dispute, that's just not the case. To say that we should stay neutral, it is in the best interest of America. It's in the best interest of our national security for Ukraine to win. We have to see this through. We have to finish it. Yeah, you know why? Because it's their agenda. That's why. And they've based a lot on this outcome and really miring Russia in this regard in order to achieve their larger geopolitical goals in one part of a large multifaceted psyop. Obviously, it's in their best interest. They see they just frame it as your interest is their interest. And that's not the case. See, it's very easy to understand. It is vitally important for you to support Ukraine because it's necessary for Ukraine to be supported by you. Your support is mandatory until it's finished, whatever it is and whatever that means. So shut up and support Ukraine or else you're in trouble. Now, by the way, there was a hell of a lot, and it's not even that long of a discussion, of what she says there. I'll show you some of which I find interesting that wasn't included, probably because she's a Republican. But, you know, that's my opinion. Ultimately, there's some far more valid, important points to include where she is just, I mean, I made the joke about her the other day, which I'll make, I'll show again. Just the absurdity of the way she's stumbling through this. Like, they're fighting for their their freedoms. Like, when you say fighting for the freedoms, like, that's, it's just, it's a tired statement that doesn't really mean anything. Ultimately, because what are we talking about? And the point is that they're all vying for this old school concept. They think they're going to revitalize this idea of the, you know, the war on the war for freedom and the defighting terrorism. But now it's going to be you included, of course, which is always really what it has been. The war on you under the guise of whatever kind of domestic terrorism, foreign terror, doesn't matter. Same thing to them. Back when they still taught logic, statements like this were known as tautologies. Something is true because it is. The more you repeat it, the truer it becomes. That's interesting, actually, in the concept of what is a woman, which we'll be getting into, right? This circular logic of it's a woman because they say they're a woman and what's a woman? Well, it's what she just said she was. And that kind of thing keeps happening. It's a self-reinforcing reality. There was a time when tautologies were considered illegitimate arguments, not to mention hilariously stupid. Only dumb people talk like that. Now everybody in power talks like that. Diversity is our strength. Trans women are women. Zelensky is Churchill. It's all self-evidently true. Doesn't need an explanation and don't ask questions. Sound familiar? Of course it does. That's the pap they're serving us day after day in steaming lumpy portions. 
By this point, it's possible that American citizens are the least informed people in the world. I agree with that. Your average yak herder in Tajikistan knows who blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. It's obvious. Does he think some skinny dude in a dress is actually a girl? <laughs> Come on. That idea would never occur to him. You've got to be lied to at full volume over a period of years in order to reach conclusions like that. And, of course, we have been. The media lie. They do. Yeah. Fox News, Tucker Carlson show. I can point out a thousand examples of the exact thing on his show all day long. Doesn't mean that he's not being honest here. I don't know. But I find it hard to take this at face value when you can prove all the things he's screaming have been applied to his show. And I'm not talking about the Democrat claims because he's saying a man is not a whatever. The claims that they say are fake news because you can't say that about trans or because he's talking about vaccine misinformation. You know, I don't think that because we're talking about these things and proving the reality. But other than that, on the right wing side of this, whatever that means to people, I can show all sorts of illogical points that are lied about, obfuscated for that side of the narrative. Obviously, right now we're hyper focused on the left because they're meant to play the ridiculous pay. Like I keep saying this over decades. We see the teeter totter of the two party paradigm where at once it was the crazy evangelical right. It's now the crazy, wild, woke left. It's how this goes, guys. And we won't be able to recognize that until this teeter-totter flips again. And some people anyway. And I'm hoping we can wake people up to that before it's too late. But maybe he's turned a corner. Maybe he's turned a corner. Maybe it was always Fox keeping him under his... And I hope that's the case. As I say every time, whether it's Trump, whether it's RFK, whether it's Tucker. Why would I hope that he is what I... Why, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he is fighting for the truth and he's going to change and turn a corner. But I find it hard to believe, especially with what he says next. But remember... When he was at Fox News, the argument was, I can say whatever I want all the time. They don't control what I say. And then now the argument is he left because they were putting a thumb on it. They weren't letting him say what he wanted. Now, of course, that only seems to apply to that one January 6th video, even though we have all of this everywhere and it's all been discussed and it's nothing. Right. This is my point is that even the FBI dot video we're talking about was also filmed from seven other angles from other people's phones on the ground. But apparently that one couldn't come. Out. I just don't buy it. And that also shows you that, yes, he was. And we know this, but despite what he was saying or his perception being controlled by the Murdochs of the world. People like Alison Morrow have made that abundantly clear. That doesn't these things don't exist outside of that discussion. Corporate media is controlled by default. And you know, maybe he doesn't want us to know that. Maybe he's fleeing because he's going to change the whole thing. And I certainly hope so. But I'm hoping you guys can be as critical and objective about this as anything else we talk about on the show. But mostly they just ignore the stories that matter. What's happened to the hundreds of billions of U.S. dollars we've sent to Ukraine? No clue. Who organized those BLM riots three years ago? No one's gotten to the bottom of that. What exactly happened on 9-11? Well, it's still classified. How did Jeffrey Epstein make all that money? How did he die? How about JFK? And so endlessly on. Now, right, I mean, my point is that, it, you know, you're rattling off a lot of these big topic points. Now, we'll have to wait and see whether he actually goes into any of these or if he's just doing the same thing that Trump did, you know, tapping into what he thinks are the most point, the points that we care about just to get you invested. And then it becomes another party talking point discussion, maybe with a little more edge because now he's on Twitter. But who knows? The next part is very important. Not only are the media not interested in any of this, they are actively hostile to anybody who is. In journalism, of course, if we're only talking about corporate media, then yes. But you see, that no, that point right there always frustrates me. And that wasn't what I was mentioning as the important part. He's going to get into aliens. But 
when we continually talk about the media as if that doesn't include all of us, that's part of the problem, right? Because we are regard with to a certain circle out there that I I believe is an increasing increasingly shrinking minority. We don't exist because we're not in the corporate media, and that's why the stories like East Palestine or breaking information that we put out that nobody else has suddenly means nothing until Tucker talks about it. That's that is part of the problem here, guys. Whether or not he's honest, right? Because that shows you a controlled flow of information, and that's always a problem. Curiosity is the gravest crime. Yesterday, for example, a former Air Force officer who worked for years in military intelligence came forward as a whistleblower to reveal that the U.S. government has physical evidence of crashed non-human made aircraft, as well as the bodies of the pilots who flew those aircraft. So have you heard this? This is real. Not real that I believe it's actually the case. Who knows? But this is really being stated. Now, just to be clear, this is probably the hundredth time this has happened. There's been people from NASA that have made these arguments 20 years ago. There are people in five years ago. There was a high level scientist at NASA that argued that this, I'm not making this up, that there were ships that would charge their ships on, I think it was the rings of Jupiter or one of those planets. I'm not sure exactly. It was a while since I saw it, but that was a real statement made by somebody from NASA years ago. Now, ask yourself why that didn't break into the news conversation. Clearly, there's something odd there. Now, whether you believe that was happening or whether, you know, who knows what the dynamic is, but now they come out a whistleblower, despite how many times it's been expressed. There's multiple presidents around the world that have already said this is clear. Yeah, we've known for 20 years. But now suddenly, because a whistleblower that nobody can, we can't verify, says that we're just taking it at face value. I mean, really think about that for a second, because that's what's about to happen. That now, because nobody's covering the story, it shows you that he's the only one that's honest. What about the idea of all of the discussions we've had about what this could amount to? The government faking this concept to achieve certain ends. Shouldn't we at least ask that? Like, isn't it our job to confirm and do due diligence on, the, on these kind of statements? And I find that to be very strange, personally. The Pentagon has spent decades studying these otherworldly remains in order to build more technologically advanced weapons systems. Okay. That's what the former intel officer revealed. And it was clear. Now, right there, it seems to express some doubt, but then he goes on to say this. He was telling the truth. In other words, UFOs are actually real, and apparently so is extraterrestrial life. Now we know. In a normal country, this news would qualify as a bombshell, the story of the millennium. Right. But in our country, it doesn't. The whistleblower's account ran on a technology website called The Debrief, which you've probably never heard of. The Washington Post had that story, but decided not to run it. The New York Times, meanwhile, just pretended it never happened. On the front page of the New York Times website this morning, there were five stories about Ukraine, as well as four stories apiece about Donald Trump, trans people, and climate change, the usual lineup. There was nothing at all about how an alien species is flying hypersonic aircraft over our cities. Right, so apparently now it's true. I mean, am I, I'm not misinterpreting this. I mean, the way he's framing this is that they're doing a disservice to you by not covering this. And maybe, maybe, maybe he's right. Quite frankly, I find it really hard to digest despite how, because of how many times this same situation has happened. Don't forget that what's his name from Blink-182 was running, apparently, this large government operate. We talked about it a while ago about trying to suss out the you know aliens and they were i mean it, it's been going on forever that these kind of statements have been floated by the government over and over around the world from the united states as well from nasa but now this one means something i just find that strange 
But tune in next time on Tucker to find out the truth. Not one word. So if you're wondering why our country seems so dysfunctional, this is a big part of the reason. Nobody knows what's happening. It's the two-party paradigm, Tucker. That's what's doing it. A small group of people control access to all relevant information, and the rest of us don't know. We're allowed to yap all we want about racism, but go ahead and talk about something that really matters and see what happens. If you keep it up, they'll make you be quiet. Trust us. That's how they maintain control. When Western tourists first started traveling in large numbers to the Soviet Union in the early 1970s, they found that many Russians had a completely warped understanding of the United States. They thought that Americans lived in grinding poverty in a state of perpetual race war and were desperate to flee to the freedom and prosperity of the Eastern Bloc. They thought this because that's what they had been told. They had no way to know otherwise. The few Russians who understood what was really going on in the rest of the world had learned about it from listening to shortwave radio broadcasts, sometimes under the covers so the neighbors wouldn't hear. Fifty years later, it is bewildering to consider the ironies here. We're the ones who live in ignorance now. The U.S. government has managed to classify more than a billion so-called public documents. So at this point, we can't possibly know what our leaders are doing. We're not allowed to know. That's an important point, that they have absolutely continued to show you that they're operating at a level that we'll never get to see, despite them claiming that you're the one making all this happen, right? Your vote, you're the, you're the constituents, like you're the one we're doing, you were the living embodiment of your will. <laughs> That's really what they still sell people. Like, it's just straight up adult Santa Claus. The whole voting, for everything we've talked about, guys, we need to wake up to this. We are not in charge. We are not affecting the outcome. And we need to begin to digest that if we're going to change anything. But the problem is, as always, the, the screaming pundits at the top of both of the extreme sides are going to make sure that you don't think that's true. Because their entire business is invested in that same narrative. By definition, that is not a democracy. Yet it's fine with the media. Even though we literally don't have a democracy, we have an oligarchy, and it shouldn't even be either. It should be a republic. Secrecy is a powerful tool of control. Stop asking how we got so rich. Here's another story about racism. Go eat each other. That's the program. That's how most of us now live here in the United States. Manipulated by lies, silenced by taboos. It is unhealthy and it's dehumanizing, and we're tired of it. As of today, we've come to Twitter, which we hope will be the shortwave radio under the blankets. Man. We're told there are no gatekeepers here. <laughs> if that turns out to be false, we'll leave. No, he won't, guys. This is the biggest lie of the whole thing. You think he's going to make a contract with this, put all this, and then just leave because they, he suddenly sees something that, by the way, you can see right now? The open statements made by Elon Musk that they actively and shown to censor hate speech right now? That's a public policy. They've worked with the ADL and plenty of others to right now censor what they deem as hate speech. Does Tucker agree with that? Isn't, isn't he the one telling you that that's all completely wrong, free speech and everything, and hate speech doesn't exist? Then how do you explain that? Because that doesn't matter to him. There's no way to misunderstand that. So because this is important. Now, you could argue that's something that then if, he, if that was the case, then you should say that. To argue the point is this is one other way to go on saying, well, as long as I'm still here, that's an indication that, Tucker, that Twitter is not a problem, right? So when we come out and say Twitter's doing that, no, Tucker's, he, didn't, he said he would leave. It was a problem. People always looking for a savior. Obviously, Twitter is part of the problem. And if you don't see that by now, then you're still buying the narrative. Elon Musk has tapped into literally everything going on we've talked about. He just hired a World Economic Forum stooge who is pushing vaccines, masks, and everything else in the control, and still, right now, actively censoring people in 
COVID-19 conversations. We've already shown you that. Plenty of doctors who have both not been brought back, but also continue to be censored since then. We've shown you the conversations of hate speech. The trans conversation is being aggressively cultivated on Twitter right now. Now, Matt Walsh did get censored, and then they allowed it to play. Because it's he's got a million followers, and clearly that would be a big, an obvious step. It's sort of like bringing back some people, but not everybody, but then kind of not letting Alex come back, which should have been an indication from the very beginning that Alex Jones, whatever you think of him, has a right to free speech. But apparently not. There's your limit. That's not free speech. But he'll let you know. Tucker will let you know when it's a problem. But in the meantime, we are grateful to be here. We'll be back with much more very soon. Now, I'm sure people will get frustrated that I'm, that I'm you know, pointing these things out. But I think it's important. I think this is an important problem. Now, here's people just talking about this in the same... Con- this is another just post saying that Italy had UFOs crash and recovered bodies of its occupants prior to Roswell. Like, this is now kind of like a circulating conversation right now. Everyone's like, aliens! Here's an interesting one. RFK Jr. did, in fact, tweet this out. Another conspiracy theory that turned out to be true. I guess Men in Black got it right. Kennedy 24. Debris. This is that. This is what Tucker was just talking about. Intelligence officials say U.S. has retreat. Isn't that strange? So we don't, we just, because they state it, because somebody says, now it's true. Very weird. And yes, he then deleted this. It's no longer there. I find that very odd, especially now that's not the second time in a very short period of time that he's deleted a tweet. What, explain that. Because it's politically inconvenient. Somebody said, oh, oh, Robert, that's not okay. Or he realized it was wrong, but then I would expect something. I don't know. Either way, I find that very strange. As I've said before, and I talked about in depth on my last show, of all the people that are potentially running, he's obviously the top candidate because of just because of medical freedom stance. But that doesn't just ignore all the other things that I think are concerning. Statements on Israel and Palestine, the conversation about climate change and, and climate change deniers, which pe- maybe people said has changed, or the Second Amendment stance from the past that people say has changed. I mean, who knows? Or maybe he's playing this whole game just to get in and he's going to change the world for the better. I effing hope so. As I said before, why would we hope otherwise? I really want to believe in this person, but there's a lot that makes me concerned. Far, far less than literally anybody else, which is why I say that. Same thing I said about Tulsi Gabbard when it happened, and she let me down by citing yet again. Like, okay, put it this way. If he makes his whole campaign about showing what the other people are doing to you and then and then doesn't make it and then decides to endorse one of them, same game, guys. You can't tell us they're criminals stealing your life away and then endorse one of them, which is what both Bernie and Tulsi Gabbard did. Showing you that it's all just politics. Now, on the other side of this, here's little Brian Stelter trying to make himself relevant again and saying, oh, here's Tucker trying to be. Well, at the very least, Tucker is doing something. I just can't. The funny thing is, and I'm, the point is, they're, in my mind, they're all corporate media. But I find it hilarious that Tucker, at the very least, has got a show going on Twitter. Brian lost his job and so did Tucker. But now he's over here probably frustrated saying, as of today, Tucker says, we've come to Twitter. We're grateful to be here. His first video is basic, a 10 minute monologue. Okay. Like, I just, what a petty, just child. I mean, think of, think about this person saying, like, you're, so what? Isn't that what they do all the time? People do monologues all the time on the court. You did monologues incessantly that were in completely meaningless. But then he follows up saying, Tucker on Twitter is how Carlson's video is branded. Notice his right hand on the wide shot. He's using a teleprompter controller to run the prompter himself. Isn't that a positive thing? Like, it's just so sad. Like, th- this is him trying to make Tucker look bad. 
I'm not, that's not me defending Tucker either. I just think it's hilarious that Brian Stelter is going out of his way to point at this. And it shouldn't, I mean, the whole point would be that, that he's doing it himself. That should be, uh, what's the word? Uh, oh, I can't blank it on the term. Damn, I'm going to forget. Anyway, just, you know, that he's doing it for himself and that should be praised. But it just says this person, are you still butter that they roasted you on various occasions? And, you know, just this person is just very sad. I think that's hilarious to show you the other side of the narrative. But here is a, another point. We have two more points here about Twitter and, and RFK, and I think they're important. He just had a spaces with Elon Musk, showing you how all of them are leaning into Elon Musk because they think it's good for their for their campaign, I guess. I find that very concerning. You got the guy literally pushing on the medical freedom standpoint, working with the person who is absolutely tied up in exactly all of the things this is leading to. All the discussions, the brain machine interface, all this is all part of the same conversation as you all know. But let's play this first. You can listen to what he had to say, and then we'll talk about it. Rival at Twitter, Elon has been, uh, I think, a breath of fresh air for our country. Uh, you somehow understood, although you're from South Africa, you somehow understood the tradition of free expression and how important that is to American democracy. So I'm very, very grateful to you. I thought that was a strange thing to say. I don't think he meant it that way, but he's basically saying, I'm surprised, I'm surprised you understand how to free, what free speech means since you're from Africa. Seems like an odd thing to say because literally everybody kind of knows what I mean. It's even people that aren't from the United States are aware of the concept of free speech. I, that was a strange, interesting thing to say, but either way. You're most welcome. Uh, yes, I, I, this, I think it's absolutely essential uh, to have a robust uh, democracy. Uh, we must have free speech. Um, in the absence of that, uh, democracy simply cannot function. Yeah, it, it is free speech. And the free flow of information is the water, it's the sunlight, it's the fertilizer, it's the soil of democracy. Without it, democracy withers and dies. There's never been a time in history when we look back and say that the people who are censoring free speech were the good guys. They're always the bad guys. They're always, it's always the first step toward totalitarianism. I agree with that. I 100% agree with that. You know what's coming next? <clears throat> well, as I said, well, first, we verifiably live in an oligarchy. No one honest can seriously argue that this is a democracy, let alone the republic that it should be. Second, I agree. Those censoring are always the bad guys. And at the moment, Elon's Twitter is still openly censoring people. Shouldn't that, I mean, they, end of point. <laughs> and yet somehow we managed to frame this as your fight. I mean, they are actively doing that. It's not even up for debate. Hate speech, trans conversations. I've shown you endless examples. There are people like, uh, who was it? I'm forgetting now. I think it was something like uh, Christian Ruby and some other people that I'm not too familiar with have all continued to argue that they're being suppressed. Consent factor, I think, is one that continues to show proof that he's being openly suppressed. I mean, it's very, very clear. And yet he comes out and says, you're right. And then they're always the bad guys. I mean, it just, it's insulting to our intelligence, this dumbed down conversation for the election kind of thing that happens every single year where we preach the freedom and democracy and all the things that aren't really happening anymore. It's frustrating. Now, again, you can always point out that this is just a means to an end to get this, you know, and I sure hope so. But worth playing this for the moment since we played it recently on AM Wake Up and I wanted to show this Princeton study clip yet again. 
just so we're not, and this will, I'll play it again as I do when it comes to elections to understand where this really is. And it's not just because Princeton found this or because the people that put this out are saying it. It's because you can prove this and has been proven with multiple studies, as well as just your personal observation that we do not have an effect on the outcome of policy. Period. For the last few years, I've had this sense that everything I learned as a kid about how America's government works is completely wrong. But I had no idea how bad things actually were until I saw this one graph. Researchers at Princeton University looked at more than 20 years worth of data to answer a pretty simple question. Does the government represent the people? Now, this is what they found. This axis here represents public support for any given idea. On the left, at 0%, are ideas that not a single American wants. On the right, at 100%, are ideas that everyone supports. This axis represents the likelihood of Congress passing a law that reflects any of these ideas, from a 0 to a 100% chance. On this graph, an ideal republic would look like this. If 50% of the public supports an idea, there's a 50% chance of it becoming law. If 80% of us support something, there's an 80% chance. You get the idea. Now, most Americans would probably agree that, with a few exceptions, we should be as close to this ideal as possible. Unfortunately, the way America actually works doesn't even come close. Now remember, this is 20 years of data. This isn't just one Republican can, you know, uh, um, term or Democrat side. This is 20 years of flip-flopping between parties doing the same thing, showing you that lobbyists and moneyed interests run everything. Take an idea that nobody supports, literally nobody, and it has about a 30% chance of becoming federal law. Now, take an incredibly popular idea, the most popular idea this country has ever seen, and there's also about a 30% chance of it becoming law. This means that the number of American voters for or against any idea has no impact on the likelihood that Congress will make it law. Put another way, and I'm just going to quote the Princeton study directly here, the preferences of the average American appear to have only a minuscule, near zero, statistically non-significant impact upon public policy. Yeah, you've heard statistically insignificant, right? We've talked about that with the mass, right? It's, it's statistically insignificant or non-significant. It means you do not affect the outcome. Not the only study to find this. Zero, minuscule, near, in. Think about how crazy that is. And yet we still pretend like, just go, well, you got to vote. You got to go out there and make it happen. They're telling you that it literally, scientifically does not affect what happens. And here we all march out there because we just can't get past it. Now, if, like I've said every time, if you, if you think it makes a difference, you go ahead and do that. I'm not trying to tell people not to. I would always argue that going to the local level is the best thing you can do presidential i mean clearly look one side says trump was put in by russia the other side says they were cheating when reality is both sides cheat literally every time and i've proven that all the way back as far as you can look we should all know this by now clint curtis can testify that he was paid to manipulate the machines to be able to cheat and the next year they use the same damn machines because they're all playing the game it's just so crazy how obvious this is and yet we still play this game of the average American appear to have only a minuscule, near zero, statistically non-significant impact upon public policy. So if you've ever felt like your opinion doesn't matter and that the government doesn't really care what you think, well, you're right. Now, the next point before I say this next part is, to, you know, people will say, well, then, you know, if you don't, then they're just going to take over. Well, think about the argument there. 
Okay, if your vote doesn't affect the outcome, how exactly would you not voting let other people win with their votes? The vote does not affect the outcome. So all these arguments about, well, if I don't, then they're, those, they're, their votes are going to win. We can't win. This is what people keep saying. I asked this question in a recent rally of, uh, I think it was Owen, Owen Schroeder from InfoWars when he was speaking. And the argument as always is, well, we have to vote because voting is important. And the idea is that we got to get government out of our lives. So the argument is to vote for the government to get government out of our lives. That's called a logical inconsistency. Now, I don't know if they recognize that or not, or the idea is ultimately that it comes down to voting is good for our business. But at the end of the day, we need to start recognizing the realities, the hard realities that this is not what that what's what they tell us is not what's actually happening, because all of them are invested in the idea. Far more than you realize, but I do believe it's the minority today. But there's a catch. This flat line only accounts for the bottom 90% of income earners in America. Economic elites, business interests, people who can afford lobbyists, they get their own line. Look at how much closer their line is to the ideal. When they want something, the government is much more likely to do it. And when they don't, they have the power to completely block it from happening, no matter how much the rest of the country supports it. That's the most important part. Right. So it doesn't matter. A hundred percent of Americans can absolutely be everything to them. They'd be the one point that everybody cares about. And just because they lean on these people because they're the ones giving money, they can bring it down to literally zero. That's not that's not a flip of a coin. That's not a chance. That is zero, meaning they guarantee it won't happen regardless of what you want. How else do you understand that? They get what they want, and guess who ends up paying for it? We pay for it with the most expensive healthcare in the world. We pay for it with a tax code that's a complete mess. We pay for it with internet that's slower and more expensive, with wasteful spending, a floundering education system, a catastrophic drug war, and one in five American children born into poverty. All these stats are way worse today, by the way. Almost every major issue we face as a nation can be traced back to this graph. How does this happen? Well, just follow the money. Right now, it's perfectly legal to buy political influence in America. Here's how it works. Let's say a big bank wants a law that would force taxpayers to bail them out again if they repeat the exact same reckless behavior that crashed the global economy in 2008. Ah, well, that's wildly relevant, isn't it? Not exactly the most popular idea with the public, and Congress knows that. That should be the end of it. But that's where the money comes in. It's perfectly legal for our bank to hire a team of lobbyists whose entire job is to make sure that the government gives the bank what it wants. Then those lobbyists can track down members of Congress who regulate banks and help raise a ton of money for their re-election campaigns. It's perfectly legal for those lobbyists to offer those same politicians million-dollar jobs at their lobbying firm. Then- and, this, and, and not just lobbying firm, we see this with pharmaceutical companies, we see this with all oil industry. That's called the revolving door. That's why I see people like Scott Gottlieb are literally working for Pfizer, then working for the government, then going back to the... It's, it's absurd. And the sad thing is, it is as obvious as it gets. We see it, we have the proof, we got the studies. And all that happens is they go, no, no, no. Here's a narrative. Here's why this is how we do it. And let me explain why Ryan's a conspiracy theorist. And apparently that's enough for a lot of people. And those lobbyists can literally write the language of this new bailout law themselves and hand it off to the politician they just buttered up with campaign money and lucrative job offers. And it's perfectly legal for those politicians to take the lobbyist written language and sneak it through Congress at the last second. 
That's called a writer or many other versions of that where they just kind of scoot these things in. A lot of times it has to do with Israel. Remember the thing we had? It was something about, I think it was actually one of the the uh, the, the government shutdown discussions. And they just kind of shoehorned in this idea that you, that, that it had to do with Yemen. I forget. They're all the time. It just, it has nothing to do with what they're actually doing. They just kind of squeeze these random things in that you can't protest Israel or that Yemen has to do that. And nobody even knows about it. It's just, it's a big game. Now, note at the bottom of the video, they're all sort of the sourcing this to New York Times, Forbes, all sorts of corporate media. So now you've got a law that greatly benefits the banks and the whole process can start over. Yep. That's how it works, guys. That's the reality. I'm not saying that because of that one study. I'm saying that because you know it. We can see it. We're living it. And there's been multiple investigations, multiple studies, multiple conversations of exactly this point. That is what we live in. Now, SpaceX just uh, gets the Pentagon Ukrainian Starlink contract, right? So as the new front runner, it seems, by the polls running for president, just working, you know, telling us that Elon is great and Tucker's telling you Twitter is going to save everything and they're the ones fine. You know, the point is, guys, we need we need to, just like I just discussed, we can see this. We can understand what's really going on. Didn't he say that because he knows they're Nazis that he's going to pull back? Oh, that guess that didn't happen. Apparently, it's just still working because they need it and the government said so because he's a government contractor. It continues. But, you know, I'm a conspiracy theorist. Call me that. A lot of people do. Now, let's start with or let's get into the transgender conversation. Now, this is a really, really difficult one to discuss because it's impossible, right? This is a, this is one of those conversations that no matter how objective you are, no matter how much you prove what you're doing, that people will always choose or inadvertently take you out of context or inadvertently misunderstand or choose to misrepresent what you're saying, which there's a lot of both or all of this. But let's start with this one. Federal judge blocks Florida ban on gender affirming care for minors in narrow ruling says gender identity is real. Like, just to be clear about this, by the way, a judge has no right to be stating that they know some subjective concept is real. Right. There's no science proving that their opinion is fact. Right. There is science, in fact, proving that gender and sex are very clearly biological realities. That's one thing you could argue you don't agree with that. But a judge has no place to cement in a, as some kind of precedent because of his or her personal statement that they're what they believe is real. This is how dangerous this has gotten. Now, the point is that they're now saying, well, we're going to put a ban on what they, the gender affirming care. Now, that's ridiculous Orwellian term for giving children and minors puberty blockers, hormone treatments, and in some cases, as I've proven to you, actual surgery. More so on the top, but we have proven that there are some cases of foul, I think foul, uh, what was it? It's right over here. Phalloplasty happening to children. 16-year-old, 17-year-old. We'll get into this. It's very hard to discuss. But the point here we should remember is that the puberty blockers they're the ones yelling that this is completely temporary there's no it won't hurt you and it's weird when you realize they couldn't possibly know that because it hasn't been gone this long done that long and there's no long-term studies so explain for me how these transgender activists could possibly know that there's no long-term they don't is the point so why do they allow them to continue to scream this and shout everybody down when they don't know and they couldn't possibly know politics the biggest problem is not that it's political and, and a lie. It's that it's being focused on your children that don't know any better in many cases and are a lot of times being indoctrinated by their own teachers to think that it's a good choice and we can do what we want. 
Except the big point I'm going to make today, and I've made many times before, is that it's all hinging around the illusion that every single one of these trans people are suffering from, from gender dysphoria. Even as the community is aggressively stating, that's not true, we can be what we want. It's just a basic choice because it's all a big construct, as this judge literally just confirmed or vindicated, even though I, this is not true. This is just like the Israel conversation I tell you all the time. They're standing up and stating an absolute dishonesty. And like, for instance, the U.S. government will tell you, this is what Israel says. And they're going, to nope, they'll just state the opposite. And everyone just decides to look at what the government of the U.S. is saying and not actually look at what they're actually saying. There's an obvious problem with all of this. That community is telling you it's not about gender dysphoria. The problem, though, is the only way they can get these surgeries approved is by them pretending not the people going to not the transgender people, but the actual administration writing down gender dysphoria because they decide to, even though they're being told by these people, that's I don't I, that's not true. I just want I believe I'm a woman. They just go, oh, well, then that's because they're suffering from that, even though then they take offense to that. Like, this is an obvious problem here, and it shows you that there is, beyond doubt, an agenda within this that is pushing this forward, despite the fact that if we need to confirm that people are suffering from a disorder like every other thing, then why aren't we doing that? Why don't we have some kind of actual scientific test to say, yes, we can confirm they're suffering from this disorder? Because Because once you do that, it's no longer just because I believe I'm a woman, you see, and it continues to contradict itself. Around and around we go. The point is that puberty blockers by themselves, back to this article, are dangerous. No long-term studies and immediate problems have already been seen because they're one of the, one of the ways it was put by some of these experts is that it freezes your reproductive organs as a at a childlike state and potentially makes you infertile for the rest of your life. And yet they're stopping the bl- the ban which was only a ban on minors. Why in the world are we even talking about minors when we're dealing with a sexual identity conversation? I can't stress this enough. And of course, using this flag still, despite the proof being this flag was originally put forward as a minor attracted person's flag. Easy to prove. I already did it. And then they just call it a trans flag. It's like, okay, maybe they just call it the flag, but there's obviously a problem there. I mean, it's very, especially since we know that within this community, even within people in that community, you can see them quietly promoting that, well, you know, they're just another sexual identity. No, no, they're not. There's a big problem there. The problem, though, is that minors are prepubescent in most cases. And the idea being that these younger ones we're talking about that they give the puberty blockers to six, seven, eight years old. How do they know? How are you pretending these minors are aware of their sexual identity before they have are even going through puberty? It doesn't make any sense. They're the ones confirming this in them because they tell them you can just choose and there's no problems. There's no side effects. There's no repercussions, but there are. That's the biggest problem for me on top of it. I shouldn't even say that. Technically, I don't this. The problem that I think is the most concerning is, again, that first point that we're talking about grown adults, men and women who are discussing sexual identity with children. Whether you think they can understand it or not, when did that become acceptable? We're not talking about anatomy here. We're not talking about understanding the way the body works, which is what we used to be taught in school, which does end up including things like orgasm to a small degree. So we understand how the world, how the body works. We all went through sexual education as a kid, but we're talking about things like fellatio, anal sex, not we, they are the ones that are teaching. I've proven to you on this show and they don't even deny that. They're saying, well, we're all sexual beings. And even as a child, that's what they're saying. So you have adults 
discussing sexual content with children as if that's normal. How in the world did anybody let this happen? Because many people are cowards and they're afraid to stand up to the momentum of the moment. Now, we've talked about this at length. This one we discussed, the dark and surreptitious agenda driving the transgender movement. And as always, I make sure to make it clear that I'm not talking about every transgender person. I'm talking about the movement, the site, the, the agenda, which is clearly, in my opinion, a psychological operation. Now, that term gets misrepresented by plenty. It just simply means that there's an agenda and it's clearly being it's, it's they're manipulating people's psychology. That's what we're, what we're staring at. As I've said many times, I'm, there's at least a few people in this community that I've engaged with over the years that are transgender and they think this is crazy. They think this is completely out of this. This like you can find plenty of black people that think that the whole overrepresentation of the Black Lives Matter, all that they, they think that's crazy. They think that they don't need you to help them. Now, I don't know if that's the majority or not. You can decide for yourself, but I can prove to you that this is not every single person involved. But yes, there are some Republicans that are making enough to be that that's every single one. They're all pedophiles, even gay people now. And that's how that two party paradigm keeps everybody lost. Because we're not part of either side of that. They're both crazy. All of it. The weaponization of the transgender movement and the focus on your kids. That's an important one. And then the last one I did was the science. Well, just the second part, which we're focusing on is that insurance, as Josh Walkos points out, is now covering puberty blockers for minors. So it continues to show you a focus on the children. So here he was writing about this. I'll include this for you to research for yourself. You can see the documentation. I went over this in the last show very clearly talking about puberty blockers for minors and they're saying that this should now be covered by health care and as he says that if this isn't a hill to die on i don't know what is he's saying that the human rights campaign is the biggest lgbtq advocacy group organization in the country and every year they release this corporate equality index so think about this in the context of like an esg conversation that awards a score to businesses based on the policies that, that the hrc demands they implement related to lgbtq issues every year they add more of these demands and these Fortune 500 companies strive to get a perfect rating. Look closely at these new ones, and they'll show you that they're changing, and they're increasing the demands. In this case, they're showing that this is going to be that they have to include puberty blockers for minors. Despite, as, uh, as he writes right here, think about it. The largest and most successful companies in America are signing on to offering a benefit where the employees can use their health care coverage to put their child on puberty blockers. Even though we have no long-term data, the data we do have shows irreparable harm, which is true being caused and every european country that has attempted this has stopped because of the detriment this has caused to kids now i'm going to show you these articles from reuters nap again showing you that the people in these companies are telling you that they're being sloppy with this it says not only that look not only that look at the other criteria they also must include as covered on insurance facial feminization surgery as a medical necessity travel and lodging expenses it's just they're going out of their way to make sure that you have no restrictions. Oh, you want this? Well, it's free. Everything. We'll even pay for you to drive there. It's very strange. It's very strange. Now, I'm actually going to get into this after these. I think I'm going to move this right here. I want to, oops, I want to make sure that we remember this. And I'm going to go through this quickly because we already did this. But before we get into Matt Walsh's breakdown, because this is really important. This is actually blowing my mind. This is, I mean, we already knew this, but to see it so, so right, so real. But they're literally going, well, we'll just bring it. We should let them in anyway because, they, we, you know, like not doing it is somehow negative for them. And that's been this push. That, but, well, not giving them puberty blockers is a travesty. We're killing trans kids. That's not even remotely what's happening. 
before we get this is an important point to understand before we get there. First of all, this is just simply saying that these numbers are on the rise for children. Diagnosis of youth with gender dysphoria. Now, here's an important point to make because that's not what's actually happening. Most of these people don't even don't even claim that they have this problem and will dispute it. And the point is, is we'll show you with Matt's breakdown and what she says in this discussion to the person who's pretending to be a trans person. That they should just write it down anyway. Just write down gender dysphoria because if we don't, they won't get the treatment. And we can clearly tell they need the treatment. Why? Because they believe they need it. That's all that's needed, guys. That's wild. There's no, And even if you think that they might need it, you must admit that that means that person might just be wrong, which is literally what these experts will tell you. To, treatment typically around the age of 10 or 11. And we've seen it 6, 7, 8. I mean, look, there, there's ages down here. These are right here. Patients 6 to 17. 6 to 17. That's where this is. This is... Oh, man. Well, this one's more important. You can read this if you want to break to read about the how many children under the age of, I mean, there were 20,000 patients from ages 6 to 17. Here's the most important one. Trans kids treatment can start younger, says new guidelines. Yeah, you're reading that right. The World Professional Association for Transgender Health is saying that, well, we can start giving them at 14 years old. In this, they say that 15, 16, that's okay for the, the, the top surgery. My God. Here's the important part. Critics, including some from within that treatment community. So just for, so you don't miss that. This is, where was it? It's one of the largest groups. The World Professional Association for Transgender Health. It's a group that literally everybody is citing on the information about whether or not children should be involved. Okay? So it's like the, one of the leading, if not the leading group on this topic. Within that group, there are critics. They're still working there because they do believe that there are such a thing as transgender and that they should have the right to get it, right? But this is what some of these, some of the leading experts are saying, even though this is still happening despite what they're saying. They're telling you some clinics are too quick to be off to offer irreversible treatments to kids who would otherwise outgrow their gender questioning. How is it possible that these experts from within this leading community can tell you that they're, they're institution is potentially giving this to children who might not need it and that doesn't stop because of the agenda guys that's why their point is that many of these kids are just going through what we all go through as kids growing up understanding what gender and sexual identity is and kind of just going through it as we all go through it questioning am i gay maybe not i don't know what that is we all have gone through this process some somebody maybe it's a half a second other people it takes a while the point is it doesn't mean that you're gay or that you're trans. And in one, one com- conversation we just went over is that there's an entire movement from this lesbian community saying, what if they're just lesbians? What if they're just gay? There's no room for that conversation. They're going, oh, you, you're different? You're trans. And that's what's happening. And they're giving these people blockers and hormone treatments. And I just showed you a video of a, of a lesbian woman that woke up all this time later and goes, you know what? I realized I was just a lesbian and it ruined my life. That's also happening. So it's not just young kids it's not just people who are confused it's also people who are gay and lesbian who are also seemingly everybody and that again shows you that it's an obvious agenda psychologist erica anderson literally resigned her post as a board member of the world professional association for transgender health last year this was 2021 after she voiced concerns about what the sloppy treatment that's her word giving given to kids without adequate counseling 
Now, she still stayed with the group because she, again, believes that this is something that should happen. But she she resigned in protest because they're being sloppy by handing this to anybody that comes to the door. You understand? Associated Press. But yet, this still happens. She is still a group member and supports the updated guidelines, which emphasize comprehensive assessments before treatment. But, she says, dozens of families have told her that doesn't always happen. So all she's saying is that we should have assessments. She resigned because they won't do it. How is it possible that we're in a situation with something with no long-term studies and they're pushing back on even assessing these children properly? Because you realize all we're talking about right here is children. We're not talking about adults. That's also the pro- another discussion. This is children, minors. Quote, they tell me horror stories. They tell me our child had 20 minutes with a doctor before being offered hormones. Yeah. Quote, the parents leave with their hair on fire. Estimates on the number of transgender youth and adults worldwide vary partly because of different definitions. Estimates on number, which we know is below 1% in this country, based on many different polls. The association's new guidelines say data from mostly Western countries suggest a range of between a fraction of a percent in adults, okay, and up to 8% in kids? Okay, this is what's ridiculous, guys. And this is one of the most obvious points in this that shows you this is being aimed at them. So how in the world, if they're telling us this is something that's not transient, that that somehow it manages to be 8% in kids, but yet only a fraction of a percent in adults? You realize they're not saying that they're you know, adults that just weren't able to transition. They're just saying that this is the, the reality, right? That this is just what it is. They're people that are trans. But somehow it, it is only half a percent in adults, but 8% in kids. Explain that for me. Clearly, they're leaning into their own perception now that kids can just choose what they want. They're trans if they want to be. And then suddenly the number explodes. So you can see by default who they're focusing on because children are more susceptible. That doesn't mean everybody in every situation or all trans people. It means this agenda and this movement. Anderson has said she's heard recent estimates suggesting the rate in kids is as high as one in five. Oh my God. They're now claiming they know that one in every five children is a trans person. Do you realize that boxes out again the concept of gay and lesbian? It just doesn't even count anymore. We're not even including this. Because if you do include the numbers, they start acting like this is something like the majority of the population. Which, by the way, she strongly disputes. That number likely reflects, again, this is the main point, gender questioning. Kids who aren't good candidates for lifelong medical treatment, which again shows you it's lifelong treatment. A huge boon for the pharmacy industry or permanent physical changes. They're just questioning their identity like every kid in history. And they abuse that. Dr. Marcy Bowers, a transgender health group's president-elect, also has raised concerns about hasty treatment. I can't even believe this. It makes me feel sick. A president of one of these groups is going, they're being sloppy, hasty, putting, giving it to people that don't need it. And yet it continues. Not only continues, they're pushing harder. Dr. Julia Mason, an organ, an organ pediatrician who has raised concerns about the increasing numbers of youngsters who are giving getting transgender treatment, said too many in the field are jumping the gun. Three experts at the top of the field 
She argues there isn't strong evidence in favor of transgender medical treatment for kids, but she gets ignored. In medicine, she says, the treatment has to be proven safe and effective before we can start recommending it. I guess unless you're Pfizer, the FDA, the U.S. government, the CDC, but, you know, point, point same. Experts say the most rigorous research, studies comparing treatment kids with outcomes in untreated kids, you know, research at all, would be unethical and psychologically harmful to the untreated group. So they're literally the experts, of course, right? We're talking to one of the experts. Dr. Julia Mason isn't an expert, and she doesn't agree with that. But, of course, AP goes, experts say... That's just a clumsy point, meaning the people that they agree with this say, well, we can't test them because that would be harmful to them. Do you hear how gross that is? So we're not allowed to find out whether this is hurting people because doing so might be psychologically harmful to the people you've just claimed are trans. What if they're not, though? So how would it be psychologically harmful to find out because they to them, everybody is no matter what, because you can choose. You see how broken this is? And that's not that's not a hypothetical point. We're going to get into that with Matt's point over here. They do not discuss gender dysphoria anymore, other than going through the right the channels of insurance and medical treatment to get it. That's it. Every one of the rest of them, I'll show you, in schools are being taught, you can pick what you want. It's not a condition. It's not a disorder. It's just about you choosing what you want to be. That is what children are being taught today. But the only way they can get the treatment is if they claim gender dysphoria, which means there's something wrong with them by default. But they're not saying that. The new guidelines include starting medication called puberty blockers in the early stages of puberty. And that's also not what's happening. They're claiming it has to be before they go on puberty now. Who's claiming? A bunch of trans people that say they know. Based on what exactly? No long-term studies and their own personal experience? That's not science, guys. That's crazy. Just the, the idea that that's all that's, sh- that's guiding this. That's what's crazy. The blockers can weaken bones, as we've already proven to you. Starting them too young in children assigned males at birth might impair sexual function in adulthood, which we've already seen, although long-term evidence is lacking. I mean, it's right there for you. The update also recommends sex hormones, estrogen or testosterone, testosterone starting at 14. So puberty blockers, whenever they want, then they start giving them far more dangerous hormone treatments at age 14. And before that, as we've proven, this is often lifelong treatment. Not often. It is lifelong treatment. They know that. Long-term risks may include, guess what? Infertility, weight gain. So not only does the first part cause infertility, but then the second part causes infertility. And then you could chop your body up and go go that. I mean, think about how crazy this is. No long-term studies. And all this is, the what we do know is dangerous. Along with strokes in trans women, high blood pressure in trans men. But all good, though. Because that's what we know with no long-term studies. Breast removal, age 15, 17 years old. Genital surgery, 17 years old. That's the, that's the bottom surgery, guys. That's 17. That's a minor. My God, I don't even know how we got here. Here's The Economist. The evidence to support medicalized gender transitions in adolescence is worryingly weak. But apparently you're not, we can write these articles, we can have the experts speak, we can have peer-reviewed science or lack thereof, and all it takes is a bunch of rabid, militant, militant people pushing a narrative, and the government stands back because they're cowards or because they're doing it. And that's it. Well, here is a really, really disconcerting reality. Here's Matt Walsh. Now, of course, people that are on the trans movement, 
the radicalized side of this are going to disregard anything Matt says because he's a racist and because he's already been labeled as such. Or people on certain sides of the two-party illusion are going to dismiss this because he's a Republican or however these childish people view the world, they'll dismiss what they don't like. But you can listen to this for yourself, and I hope you will. He says the largest trans healthcare providers in the U.S. are rubber stamping letters approving gruesome, life-altering surgeries. It's such a racket that my producer was approved for testicle removal in 22 minutes. Let that sink in. 22 minutes. First, I mean, think about this. I made this point the other day. What if this person is schizophrenic? Like in no, like for those listening who are already on, let's let's just pretend. Let's not talk about whether that means that it doesn't exist. Let's just say, for sake of conversation, that trans people exist, and it's not, you know. In a, like a separate from the movement and all the radicalized thing, they're just an average trans person that just wants to get this done. Okay. They wake up one day and go, okay, I realize I'm trans. Let's say that person goes in. Okay, you think it's right for them. Next person comes in. At what point do you ask yourself whether this could be, aside from the people that you think are actual candidates for this, somebody who's crazy? Somebody who's dealing from, has a split personality. Somebody who has schizophrenia. Somebody who's just bipolar. Like, think about how interesting this is, because that has to exist in some case, right? Then you can ask yourself how interesting it is that you can see a very clear overlap with lots of these problems with, that is far more prevalent in the trans community than anywhere else. My point is, at some level, and you might think it's all of them, there are people that are going through this, as you just heard from the experts, that aren't supposed to be doing it, that are just struggling with, with gender questioning like every other kid, and they're being given anyway. But I take it a step further. What about the people that might be losing it? How do you know the difference? The point is they don't care. 22 minutes. How do you prove yes or no on schizophrenia? Do you check for other disorders? You check for background problems? You check. I mean, think of what they do for far, far more minor surgeries. 22 minutes. Matt says, first, some background. Ari Groner, this person's name, is a licensed clinical social worker who educates doctors on trans health care. Whatever that means, seeing as how it's so super new, there's no long-term studies, but this woman seems to be an expert somehow, and she's educating doctors on it. At a recent training session for the Jupiter Center, Juniper Center, excuse me, Groner explained that she writes whatever letters her parents, patients want because she's not a gatekeeper. But is that how it's supposed to go? So I can just wake up and go, I want to be this. You go, okay, here you go. Life altering stuff. Take it because I'm not a gatekeeper. That's what you're listening to. We sort of will go again into understanding that I'm not going to be a gatekeeper. I'm not going to be a person that's going to stop them from accessing care. I'm not there to determine if they're trans enough. I'm going to write them this letter. I mean, think about what that means. Your job is to make your job is not to even make sure this is right. That's my point, guys, because they're of the mind that you just can choose. There's not a problem here. You decide you're you're a woman. That's literally what we're talking about, despite the fact that what she's going to say next is that they need to write down gender dysphoria in order for them to get the treatment. There's a huge gap between that on the side of institutional treatment and what this community thinks. And yet, not only is this not slowing down, it is aggressively speeding up. He goes on to say Groner was referring to the WPATH standards which major hospitals follow. They require that trans patients obtain a letter before undergoing surgeries. See my point? But Groner tells her audience to, to treat the letters as a persuasive essay and to greenlight even suicidal patients. 
right? Because their subjective opinion would be, well, if they're suicidal, it's only because they don't have what they need to be. Because you know that? How do you know it's not about something else? How do you know they weren't abused growing up? Like, the point is, it doesn't matter anymore. Because this is so out of control, this runaway train, that nobody's willing to step in and stop it because they know they're going to be consumed by the movement. That's because they're cowards. People out there that care about this should be willing to stand in front of that train. That's what we're doing here. History that might be helpful to sort of showing the necessity. So if let's say a client has a psych history that includes like suicidal ideation or a suicide attempt, and you can connect it to the gender dysphoria, Mm -hmm. that actually can be sort of a, a positive persuasive essay piece. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. I mean, so again, the assumption that gender dysphoria, which you're claiming in the community is not even there because I can choose, is somehow the reason that I'm suicidal. Even though my point, I mean, you see my point, it just, it, can, it doesn't make sense. And what she's actually saying is not that we can prove that it is connected, just that you can connect it for the, ver- the purposes of getting them what we believe they need because they said so. If we don't realize how alarming this is, how dangerous this is, you, I don't think you want to see it. This is wildly out of control, even if you think there's a, a, a part, a, a, an area of this that should be happening. Because um, you can kind of show what this is so necessary, right? This is how this is impacting this person's life. And this is why this procedure is necessary. And, and that. I have found that when I frame it in a, you know, we're going to kind of use this as a persuasive essay and we're going to really, you know, kind of stick it to them. There's, there's a little bit more fun with it in the way we even use language. So I found that to kind of be helpful with clients. Of course, in every one of these, you see that same flag. Now, of course, because plenty of people know in the community act like that's the trans flag, and you could argue they just co-opted it, but it does have origins in places that are very unnerving, which seem to overlap with some of this conversation, which we've already proven to you, that there are predators that exist within this, which everywhere, anywhere, there's an opening for a predator to try to get closer to what they want to prey on, they will take advantage. And that happens with children like anything else. So to act like there's not a possibility that people couldn't use this to end up next to children, which we've already shown you, like at the YMCA, Riley Gaines has pointed this out. We just talked about the $125,000 award given to the coach that was fired. And because their daughter was literally showering and was traumatized by seeing a full naked male who claims they're a woman. And they got fired. They got attacked for it. That's how crazy this is. Same with the YMCA. You're talking about a six and seven year old girl that turn around and see a full naked penis and they are traumatized. They're crying and hiding in the corner until the person leaves. And when they say something, they're told they're bigots. I don't even know how you could pretend the person that claims they're bigots is not a predator themselves. I'm not saying I can prove that. What I'm saying is think about the gross concept there. Whether or not you think that trans people have rights and so on. How in the world are you going to pretend that whether, I mean, you're talking about a naked male penis, regardless of what it's attached to, in front of a child that doesn't understand whatever politics you think run that conversation. These people are broken, man. The people that would push that is what I'm saying. That's wild to me. He goes on to say, Groner explains that insurance companies won't pay for these surgeries, and this is the important part, unless the patient is diagnosed with this gender dysphoria. There's a huge problem there, guys. That means they know to some level that they're just arbitrarily deeming anybody who has gender, who they comes in saying they're trans as gender dysphoria so they can get the treatment they think they need, which 
absolutely guarantees that children, adults alike, are getting treatment they don't need in some cases. That's a fact. So she says healthcare workers should simply provide the diagnosis. Quote, we're using that diagnosis, she says, to ensure clients get what they need, their necessary treatment. So it's not really a diagnosis then. You're, it's a stamp that you're giving to somebody who comes in asking for it so they can get what they want. What, if, what is that but a racket? And who's asking us to write these letters? So oftentimes we're, we're being asked by surgeons or physicians, but in reality, it's really for the insurance companies. Um, that's what the letters are really for. And I think that's important for us to keep in mind. Right. So the one we just read before, right? They won't do this unless they have this fake diagnosis. I'm not saying that because people can't have this. It's because they give it to whoever comes in, regardless, as she just told you. So the point is that these surgeons and doctors and the insurance companies have a legal barrier that they can't get rid of because they clearly know this is a problem. Right. This is uh, this is so wild to me. This shows you this is one of those topics that really break through to show the average person how lost we really are right now how dangerous this really is right now, how clearly the government and these people in these positions of power don't care about you. This has to break through at some point. That, is, that shouldn't be taken as some kind of we're all going to die kind of topic. The point is that we are breaking through so much. We are changing so much for the better that they are absolutely in, in complete desperation mode. These things are so ham-fisted and forced. Everything, the COVID agenda, Ukraine, all of this. And I think there's a reason for that. So don't get discouraged by all of this as much as this is really hard to take. The point is, is that we can stop this, guys. We can stop this if we care to look past the two-party paradigm. And even at, without that, it's still to some degree being stifled. But damn it, if we care enough about these kids, we should look past that stupid party paradigm that's stopping people from realizing the full picture. We have to use the DSM in our letters for insurance company. So I'm not, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this as y'all can tell. I'm not like the biggest DSM fan. Wow. So yeah. Right. Because they don't believe in it, guys. They think it's fake. They think I can choose what I want. And we, this is just an arbitrary name we give it. So the insurance companies give us what we want. This is the person educating the doctors on what to do. Think about that. I just think it's important to highlight because of this requirement. And this is something I'll explain to the client. So I'll talk about, you know, your insurance company is saying as, you know, or sort of a requirement for this letter for the surgery that you have to have this diagnosis. And, and we'll kind of talk about that. So knowing that this, you know, sort of American Psychological Association or DSM, there's this history of pathologizing and categorizing queer people as sort of sexual deviants. There is that minimal trust. So see, so you're wrong. You're all a bunch of dumb, ignorant people that don't understand. And instead of dealing with that from her perspective and saying, you're wrong, we can choose. Don't you know that? They just lie. How do you not see that as inappropriate? Criminal, even. What I talk about is that we're using the diagnosis to ensure that clients get that necessary treatment. Right. That is crazy. She said it as plain as day. We're using this to get them what they ask for. That's a drug dealer, except it translates into infertility, potential death. I just, I, I can't get around this. It's just so crazy to me. Whatever insurance companies might think, Matt goes on, of this, it's the industry standard. 
The popular trans telehealth service, Folix uh, Health, for example, instructs patients that even if they don't fit the definition of gender dysphoria, the diagnosis is needed so that insurance pay out. You see the point, guys? This is a collective agenda. They're all kind of like, wink, wink, don't tell everybody else. Just lie about it and we'll pay out for you. There's no way that happens without some kind of insurance. Uh, insur- I don't mean insurance like this, but assurance by somebody above, right? Something is driving this. That's what concerns me. And that's what I talked about with this. So whatever the dark and surreptitious agenda that's really driving all of this. You can see it right there. But we need this in order to pay out. Folix, which provides letters of authorizing surgeries for a nominal fee, so you just pay them and you get a letter that says you have it, goes on to admit that, quote, it's quite possible patients will receive a letter indicating a gender dysphoria diagnosis even though they really do not have dysphoria. Make sense of that for me. So they're openly going, well, you might not have it, but just say it. We'll give it to you. You can get your surgery, and that's okay somehow. It's publicly stated. We reach out to Folix about this. A staff member confirmed that a diagnosis of gender dysphoria with the word diagnosis is in square quote, excuse me, in scare quotes is a requirement, <clears throat> excuse me, for insurance purposes, even if it doesn't apply. This is an illusion, guys. This is a massive scam. They all seem to know that the, the whole trans community just got sprinted past this lie. Now they're teaching your children today that you can just wake up tomorrow and choose, even though at some point they have to lie about this disorder in order to give it to them. That is one of the scariest things I've ever seen because it's focused on your children. Here's what it says. Same thing you just read. Doesn't apply to all trans folks, but we need it though. So what she was saying appears what they're saying here, essentially that, well, it's just embedded racism or bigotry. It's not their fault. They're too stupid, right? So they're just putting a label on people that are naturally trans. How in the world do you know this? Somehow they're all experts on being able to tell if a child is trans because they wear a certain type of clothes or because they like certain things. It's just sad, man. This is dangerous. The largest trans healthcare provider in the U.S., Plume Clinic, runs a similar scam. They sell letters. They sell letters for $150 authorizing surgeries. And everybody knows this. The government knows this. They, they all know it. So they're just going, give me money and I'll lie about it. That is a drug dealer. That is the kind of thing they did with, with the, pharma- the opioid crisis. They was come in, I'll give you opioids. Just sign this letter, I'll give you something. Well, give me money. That's how our producer, his producer, Greg, received approval for testicle removal after 22-minute video call. I'll show it to you. In his intake form with Plume, Greg provided a fake legal name. He said he had dysphoria in the past, he, he, but he stated he had never experienced it for six months or more. Under the current version of the DSM-5, that means he doesn't have gender dysphoria, right? We, ju- we actually just looked at that. It's right here. Where was it? Oh, it's in this video. Uh, which one? It, uh, we looked at it. It's in one of those videos. The point is that it states very clearly that it has to be after for a certain period of time, right? So even as it violates their own arbitrary definition, it shows you they don't care about that. Oh, he's got it. He's got it pretty much right here. Right? So it shows you that this is just a scam. It's an illusion. If you want this, they'll find a way to give it to you. Whether you are a child, whether you, I mean, this is, we're talking about both the surgeries, but in, in the same case, hormones and puberty blockers to begin. And also on the top is fake name. 
they're not even confirming you are who you say you are. It doesn't matter because this is about giving this to as many people as possible. It feels like the COVID agenda all over again with a different outcome. Plume quickly scheduled Greg for a video interview anyway. So it doesn't meet the requirements in any way. It gives a fake name. Doesn't even ultimately say that he feels that way, but come on, come on, hop on the hop on the video. He assumed the identity Chelsea Boosie. He didn't even attempt to pass. He badly mispronounced the name of the surgery he wanted. He made it clear he didn't know what effect the surgery would have. Nevertheless, Plume's nurse practitioner said she wanted to write the most solid letter possible to justify surgery. I'm going to play this for you. Greg tells her that he once wrote an essay in school about being a woman, which everyone thought was ridiculous. Greg also tells Plume's nurse practitioner that his father has been prescribing him hormones for years. The nurse doesn't question this in any way. Instead, she says that arrangement is perfect. See the point? It doesn't even matter the context, how, the legality of it. This is like back alley stuff at this point, but going right through the main channels. Now we'll get to that next point later. Now let's play these videos first. So you currently on estrogen. You're taking six milligrams a day. Twice a day. Yeah, just, right, right, right. You got it. So you're taking um, 1.5 tablets yeah. today? Oh, hold on. That might be the wrong one first. Hold on. No, that's right. Hold on, I'll play this while I'm, I feel like I didn't upload one. Yeah, just, just, right, 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 you got it. So you're taking um, 1.5 tablets yeah. today? Yeah. Um, and then, okay, yes, let's, let's see if we can get history. All right. Um, okay, so let's, let's kind of get into this a little bit. So you are seeking what surgery? Things, are, things that are ir- of course, you probably don't know, things that are irreversible when it comes to um, uh, estrogen-based therapy is breast development and testicular shrinkage, right? But there's always a possibility for hair growth to come back. That may that may change an orchiectomy. Once you stop, um, once you don't no longer have your testes, um, acknowledge right off the bat that they're, they're literally already in the talks of what will happen after your surgery and yet this has barely even been fleshed out she doesn't have his real name everything's a lie and this is already happening do you need more proof than this or evidence i mean it doesn't mean that everybody ever was doing this but let's not forget a president-elect and two leading members of the leading council talking about this have said this is sloppy this is happening so let's not pretend like we don't this is we know this is happening no longer have the ability for your teeth to convert to DHT because you don't have as much teeth, right? So hair hair growth, facial and body hair may change with after orchiectomy. Fat redistribution is affected by the estrogen. So you may have less of a change in fat redistribution if you ever stop eating, but you may it may change as a whole. So it, it's it's kind of it's kind of um it kind of does have a benefit without the spinal lockdown, but you still want to take, you still probably would definitely want to take estrogen Mm. I'm not. I'm not complaining about the daily pills. Just to be clear, I'm complaining. I'm just saying, if it accelerates it, then it makes things faster. Then that's. Bad. And your dad is the one that's doing a hormone replacement therapy for you. Yeah, so he's actually uh, he's actually a doctor, and he knows a lot of doctors uh, who do it. Uh, who, who prescribe it. Perfect. And um, is, is your dad providing a letter for you as well? No. Um, 
that's part of why I'm, I'm yeah I, I think there's a conflict there and that's also part of the reasons why he involves other doctors with me as well is he doesn't he just thinks it's better to have an independent person do it he could have done it he told me he could have done it but I said yeah it's better not to do that And your dad is the one that's doing a hormone replacement therapy for you? Yeah, so he's actually a, he's actually a doctor, and he... And your dad... Apologies. Hold on. Uh-oh. Did we lose connection? There we go. And now it's back. What am I... Hold on. Why am I... A little bit of history with your gender dysphoria. That may kind of help me. I want to, I want to make this letter as... Let's see. Oh, it looks like... Oh, they're both really close. Okay, that's why. Hold on. I I'm, I played them out of order. It's okay. They play this one really quickly. They're both 33 and 34 seconds. I missed, I confused one for the other. Um, give me a little bit of history with your gender dysphoria. That may kind of help me. I want to I make this letter as, as... Okay. There we go. Um, give me a little bit of history with your gender dysphoria. That may kind of help me. I want to. I want to make this letter as as solid as possible to be like this organic. Definitely need it. I'll tell you. Yeah. All right. So just real clear, as you can hear that again. Not that I need to make these points because you're already seeing it. But that what she's saying is, work with me. You haven't confirmed any of this. So he says he has gender dysphoria, and even though he doesn't qualify based on their own metrics, it's just foregone conclusion. That is the case because you said so. So work with me. Tell me about it so I can make this letter that apparently is already decided. That's, this is supposed to be a consultation. We're going to make it good. So you get what we think you need based on zero research, zero actual consultation. It's just you say it, you're going to get it. That's the crux of the point. I'm happy to. So when I was I was in school and I actually uh, wrote a big essay um, for admission to a club about how I didn't feel like my biological sex went along with how I felt and and I told people that and they thought it was ridiculous. <laughs> so because they thought I just I just look like a guy. So they like this this is ridiculous. Hmm. So here we are. Twenty two minutes of that and they confirmed bottom surgery. Three days later Plume sent this letter to Chelsea Boosie, who does not exist, saying he was experiencing significant ongoing gender dysphoria. Really let this sink in, guys. The letter strongly recommends testicle removal for somebody that doesn't even exist. Do you realize how, what an, uh, they got them in real time. You don't know who this person is. You don't even have the real name. There's no way you could know if they have dysphoria. So look at it this way. He's lying, right? So that could happen too. But the point is lie or mistaken ends up the same way. That's what you need to understand. A confused child or adult, for that matter, who doesn't actually have gender dysphoria or doesn't actually end up being tra or isn't trans, who's just confused, will get this letter anyway. How do we not understand that? She reports significant ongoing gender dysphoria. The criteria, which, by the way, she did he didn't meet, but they say he did anyway. Is appropriate candidate. Wow. The letter keeps capitalizing or uh, what is it? Orkia, Orkia, all right. How do you say that? Let's try it. Let's look it up. See how it sounds. Oh, give me an actual. Here we go. 
orchiectomy. Orchiectomy. Interesting. Orchiectomy. Without an, uh, well, I should have actually looked at what it said. Uh, looks like a uh, removal of one testes. That's what you should have assumed because that's what I'm talking about. He says the letter keeps capitalizing orchiectomy without an, without an before it, as if it's just been copy and pasted into a template. I agree with that. Why wouldn't they if they're not even checking this stuff? Greg followed up to learn why he has been diagnosed with gender dysphoria. Plume admitted they just used letter templates provided by WPATH or WPATH, however they pronounce that. Wow. Later, Plume's nurse practitioner, if you can call them that, confirmed that in order for the surgery to be paid for, the dysphoria diagnosis would need to remain. So even as they know that this isn't true, they go, well, if you want it, you got to keep that in place. So it's all a big scam. At the same time, the nurse appeared confused as to why Chelsea Boosie had requested testicle removal in the first place. Apparently, none of that matters. The scam is the cutting edge of trans health care. After launching just a couple of years ago, Plume now operates in 41 states. Folix is in 47 states. How is it possible they've expanded so quickly? You know why. There is an agenda driving this, and it's never been more clear. This is one of the most concerning things going on, is my opinion right now, which is why I keep focusing on it. The answer is that there's big money behind this. Plume and Folix raised more than $45 million last year. Craft Ventures just led Plume's $14 million fundraising round. Think about that. $14 million for this kind of garbage, but we can't raise. <laughs> Where are you at, investors? Come on. T-Lab's trying to change the world. Is David Sachs aware of this is going on? Insurance companies, like all the ones you'd imagine. I forgot how you pronounce that. Uh, Aetna. Uh, United Health Gr- uh, Group. Cigna. Work with Plume. As we just showed you, Josh Walko is pointing this out. They, they Do they know they're paying for surgeries based on obviously fake information? I'm sure they don't care. ESG and all. Some states have restricted this kind of, quote, medicine. Florida, for example, recently passed a law banning most trans telehealth services, except a judge just overruled that. Or actually, it was right here. Blocks the ban. We'll see if it continues, though. Right here goes forward. Um, it's saying uh, trans activists have complained that this law is onerous. They're, fero- they're ferocious because they know the gender transition industry is corrupt and fraudulent from the ground up. Protecting kids is just one piece of the puzzle. The fight begins there, but it doesn't end there. The whole industry needs to be shut down. Man. Now, whatever his opinions aside, you can agree or disagree. The facts on the table are undeniable. You just can't ignore this. Now, here's my point to show you why this is so concerning. I mean, like we need anything else to make that concerning, but to make this even more concerning is this is being taught to your children right now. This is, I'm not familiar with the channel. This is actually one of these teachers because the point is this person just got blocked for trying to point this out. Oh, no, excuse me. That's No, it's not. This was, oh, I, I was confused about, oh, it is a teacher who's pointing out these other teachers. That's what it was. So the point is she got blocked just for pointing this out. Here's what it says. There was a pride party at this Pringle Creek uh, elementary school this day at lunch, which was the June 5th. Printouts with affirmations written on them were scattered around the students to color. What did they say? I can change exactly how I am referred to by the people in my life. And this can change at any time for any reason. Mm, I mean, well, you know, the point is all this leads to the next ones too to the surgeries that can't be. And that's what they're all pushing. 
right? If one of these children, one of these kids right, colors this and goes, maybe I'm a girl, and then reaches out to that same person and goes, I feel like a girl. Two days later, they're on puberty blockers, and they think it's okay because their teacher said so. I'm allowed to choose, it says, how and when I share and teach others about my experiences as someone who is queer and or trans. So is every kid in this class trans now? Every one of them are queer and trans? Like, explain that to me. Or, or are, you, are you having straight kids draw on things that say they're trans? How does that make sense? There's a big problem here. Quote, my body is the gender and sex I say it is. And there is the point. Does it say gender dysphoria anywhere? Does it say if I suffer from gender dysphoria? No, it says I can be what I want to be. But it being what you want to be in this disgusting conversation ends up with life-altering infertility-causing drugs that you can't come back from, that many kids have already spoken up and said it ruined my life. But apparently this teacher knows you can be what you want to be because she's either lying and a dangerous person or is so in intellectually an infant that they can't recognize this as a problem. Because that's happening too, though. And I'm not saying that just, just, just removes their accountability, but there's a lot of moms out there that just don't care to see through this. It's all about equality. If you can't recognize the problem in that contradiction, then you're a bad person in my mind. You are willfully ignorant about the obvious lie being sold to kids. My sexuality, the last one says, I de- my sexual identity is not determined by the sexual experiences I have had or hadn't. Wow. So now you're talking about sexual experiences with minors in elementary school? Uh-huh. You want to explain why that makes sense to me? What sexual experiences have these children had? If any any of them would be considered abuse, right? But apparently not to this group. There's a huge problem here. And again, this is not literally everybody who is gay or trans. A lot of them are speaking out against this, guys. In particular, lesbians and gay people right now are screaming about this in a lot of circles. But of course, if you're on a certain blinded side of the paradigm, you're going to pretend all of it's the same problem because that's what gets you clicks. My God, this is so overwhelmingly problematic. Donald Best points this out. This is the horrific story of transsexual woman, Lewis Cardinal, a shopper's drug mart hormone patient. On a mission to save vulnerable children and young people from the predatory trans industry that destroyed me. Apparently to them, this person is a liar or doesn't exist. Shopper's drug mart admits that it supplies and injects hormones for transitioning people. Does that include puberty blockers for hormones and children? We know it does. Part one of this new Exploring the Trans Industry series. Glad Donald's doing this, by the way. He's a great investigator. With a three-hour interview of this person, Louis Cardinal, who is a vulnerable, who as a vulnerable, confused, and depressed 14-year-old boy was exposed to years of propaganda and pressure from the trans industry. At age 18, Lewis succumbed and became another victim of an agenda that provides a growing stream of new customers to the new and new profits to the medical and pharmaceutical partners of the sex change industry. Shoppers Drug Mart supplies the hormone treatments that he can never stop taking since his disastrous sex, disastrous sex change surgery in 2009. So even if he wants to, he can't. After you read his heartbreaking, horrific story, you will understand why good people everywhere cannot rest until this butchery is stopped. This is real stuff, guys. I mean, we've shown you endless examples. People are suffering because of this, and we walked, we just walked through why. Whether you think this is okay for some people or not, there is a huge group of people 
or larger than it should be, one is too many, that are going through this unjustly because they're driven, because of propaganda, and many of them are children. I can't even understand why anybody would ignore that. Now, I'm not going to show this picture. It's the one I was talking about the other day. You can look at this for yourself, and this is real. One that I will show you, and I want you to consider this. But by the way, before I show this, again, if there's children watching, even this next picture, I don't think it's appropriate for kids to see this. So if there are children in the room and you're watching the show, as much as it's always a family-friendly show, I don't want them to see this. And if you want them to see this, that's up to you. I'm just giving you a moment to remove them from the room, cover their eyes, earmuffs, whatever you want to do. So what we're showing you, again, is this discussion. The phalloplasty, phalloplasty surgery. That this is what is being done, even to some kids, as we just showed you, who are 16 years old. Based on the idea that they told these people, like this woman here, that they want this. They feel this. With nothing else, but I agree with you. And then we'll just pretend you have dysphoria. Even though we all pretend it's not real. Well, here, I'm not showing you this one. But imagine... If I'm showing you this one, imagine what how much worse this one is, and you can feel free to look at it yourself if you want to. This is real. Not this, this is just something they added. This picture here is real. This is something out of Frankenstein. Now, this does not have any function. I just don't even understand how we think this is normal. Anybody. This is just hard to look at, but you can feel free to open it when you want to at your own pace. Now here, just in case we pretend this isn't real, here's the Crane Center. Phalloplasty surgery. Just pretty much showing you the exact same thing. Cut from the legs, just some lump of skin that doesn't have any function. Just like we showed you a long time ago, by the way, long before this conversation became such a focal point of the weird milk-colored discharge that they can create that comes out of your non your fake breasts, if you're a man, that they use to make them feel like a woman. There's no nutritional value. In fact, there's actual, I looked this up. I did a whole segment on this. It's actually dangerous in some cases for consumption. The point is they give it to the kids anyway because it makes them feel like a woman. And then they feed something. So you're giving them something they don't need that in fact could be potentially dangerous. At the very least, it's not nutritious. What? So for you, is this just some kind of apparatus or some kind of, you know, it's, it's just an animal. It's not some new pet you got. It's a child. But this is what's happening in a lot of ways. All because of we want to normalize this for people and be like, you, you, you are a woman because you say you are. Just in case you were confused about this, this is on the Boston Children's Hospital. Yeah, that says the same thing. How do you make sense of that? Okay, well, right here they go, well, you got to be 18. Well, okay, then explain for me how it's on the children, Boston Children's Hospital website. You're not a child if you're over 18. Now, I'm not saying that there's an overlap in this hospital, but think about that. As we already proved to you that this is in fact happening. Now, remember that these 18-year-olds that might be getting this, well, they're required to be on puberty blockers and hormone treatment, all way, all building up to this, which is hurting them even more. Or up until that, anyway. Well, here, we'll get into at least one part. I recommend you watch this whole thing. The Daily Wire put this out for free on Twitter. I guess it's set for only 24 hours, but it's still up. So, good for them. This is important. This is called What is a Woman? And we're only going to look at one little part of this before we get to that part. And it's part it's actually a part that you might have seen already because I think they put out a clip of this. But I think this is really important to watch the struggle of logic. And I might go to one other part. It looks like we, we're not too far past, two and a half hours, but <laughs> for us anyway. Okay, let's take a look at this. 
right here. Gender studies is not just for American University. What we do in, in gender studies is not just reduce gender to what psychologists might call individual differences, but rather- Are those, those in the podcast? They're in a university talking to like a, a leading expert on this exact topic. And for those in the comments in the chat, by the way, I forgot to even get into that. The idea of infections, which are seemingly rampant to the point to where people, uh, what, what's the one guy that actually spoke with Matt Walsh on this discussion? Actually, we'll take it back. Is a lesbian woman who had gone through transition is speaking out about how it ruined her life. The point is that she gets infections and it never stops. It never goes away. Just ongoing, forever infections. And that's what we hear from a lot of people, right? That's not my opinion. You can look at, listen to the people who are telling you this is what they're going through. I don't care if it's 1%. It's too much. And they're living through this because there are no long-term studies. And that means the point is they're putting things together that aren't supposed to be together. This is what happens when you try to put things in people's bodies that don't go there. Your body rejects them, right? That's also what's happening in this kind of stuff. That's why it's just that whole conversation is really unnerving because it's happening a lot right now to children. Thinking about gender, and that's not women and man, but gender as a as a social form, something that kind of infuses itself into virtually all aspects of social life. Let's talk about that then. Uh, I guess we should start with, we've got gender and sex, right? Yeah. What, what's the difference between the two? Is there a difference? I saw that in your questions and I thought, my goodness, this is what we spend an entire semester kind of thinking through. But what we tend to think about in the social sciences today is that sex refers to a set of biological characteristics and gender is a social construct or category. What I think is often misleading about that characterization is allowed to be sort of messy and complicated. But in that framing, when you split them up into these wholly discrete constructs, studies scholars, and, and really more specifically people who study gender and sex, we're not talking about sexuality right now. In the kind um, of academic universe that I travel in is that we see how deeply gendered ideas, um, cultural ideas about masculinity and femininity, maleness and femaleness, both in humans and in lots of other animals. So are gender and sex two different things? or? Well, I think that they, they both are and they aren't. I'd be, I'm comfortable saying that gender and sex are, are two different constructs, but they're deeply intertwined with each other. Now, one point I want to make quickly on this is that the, the whole point of this is, well, I mean, not, I'm not going to speak for Matt Walsh, but from my perspective, is, is that what you're, you're exposing here is that all of this is transient. You can do what you want when you want and make it what you want. The point is that we're in a point where these people are of the mind that these things are just, we can just make up what we want. And now that quickly gets to, that bleeds into other things. It's no longer just that I'm a man or that, you know, your gender or that we've seen people now identify as a snake. I identify as a young, I, I somehow as a grown man identify as a 16 year old girl. All these things are real today in the sense that they're saying them, not that they're actually what they are. And that's a problem. And these people would never admit that, even if they don't agree with it, because then it exposes that it's not just a choice. And of course, when somebody like, you know, an average person who sees through this, that just goes, well, then I'm a woman then. They go, well, no, you're not. And it shows you the sky. Just because they don't agree with you or they think you're disingenuous, that's beside the point. If it's simply a choice, whether I agree with your logic or not, I could choose. Well, I don't believe you. Then, What, are you transphobic? 
You know, it's like it just shows you how contradictory all this is. And this is a problem for children being taught that this is just what they want to be. You choose one day and you can do what you want. And that's the kind of non-answer you get from this forever. And the moment this guy senses that there's some kind of conflicting, conflicting point, even if the answer is very basic or the question is just like, well, what is a woman? You can see the, the look on their face. They sense that you're undermining their non-logic and they get angry. And what does that usually show you when somebody gets angry that they don't feel sound in their standing, their, 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 their logic? Right? When you're trying to sell some, oh, look, you're wrong about the vaccine. They get red-faced and start screaming at you. And there's, there's something going on there. There's something they're insecure about in most cases. We're talking about gender and, and sex, and there's a lot of controversies there. If we're talking about a trans woman has all of the male physical characteristics, so would that not be a male then? Couldn't, couldn't we plainly say this person is a male. Well, wh- well I guess it's, it's like, wh- why are you asking the question? I think I, I, w- I want to understand sort of why that's so important. So if so- and, now, and now he feels threatened, right? So now he's going, oh, oh, wait a minute. He's trying to undermine the entire g- game we're playing here. So now I want to understand what... Think about how basic that question is. So if a, this person has male anatomy, which no one disregard, disabuse, that's what we anybody would call it that, well, I mean, shoot, these days, who knows? Let's just say a penis then. So let's just say this person has a penis. So wouldn't you call that a man? Like, if this guy's an educator, which is what he's pretending to be in my mind, and telling people, yeah, well, wouldn't he try to explain to Matt what the, well, let me walk you through this. Well, no, the moment he starts to sense that there's disingenuous, this is what happens. Someone tells just you. To, to sort of understand reality, you know? Oh, there it well, is. I mean, I think when someone tells you who they are, you should believe them. So if a person says that they're a woman or they're a man, then that's them telling you their gender is. I'm- okay, so what happens when a pedophile says, I'm not. I'm just a little girl. Apparently, according to this, you just believe them then. Well, that, you may think that's insulting, or but doesn't that, isn't, that, isn't that possible? Of course it is. I mean, this applies to literally anything we're talking about. Of course that's possible. So somebody so somebody who wants to be a predator is just going to lie about it and we're just going to believe them because that you just said if they tell you, you believe them? I can't even believe this passes as logic today. Even if you think that there's some kind of evolving understanding, you know that people will abuse this like any other thing in history. But yet apparently they're so insecure about us exposing this that they just go, everybody's okay no matter what. You're all crazy if you think otherwise. I'm not so sure why, what social... Um, in- interactions would have to do with with maleness or femaleness that would. Well, be I'm not even talking about social context. I'm just I'm just trying to start by getting to the truth, you know. And here's the best part. Yeah, I mean, I'm really uncomfortable with that language of like g- getting to the truth again in social <laughs> why, why life. Is that, why is that uncomfortable? Because that it sounds actually deeply transphobic to me. Um, the point is that he believes what he means by truth is that you're undermining our ideology. You could assume that, and clearly Matt is making a documentary to show that this is not real. The point, though, is that all he said was getting to the truth. And this guy immediately gets on guard. Doesn't that tell you something? Gendered ideas. Right. Um, I believe them. So if a person says that they're a woman or they're a man, then that's them telling you their gender is. I'm, I'm not so sure why, what social 
in social why, why life. Is that, why is that uncomfortable? Because that, it sounds actually deeply transphobic to me. Um, and the if truth? You, and, and if you keep probing, we're going to stop the interview. Wow. I, if I probe I, about what the truth is? You keep invoking the word truth, which is condescending and rude. Wow. I'm saying how to is, you... How is the word truth condescending and rude? Why don't you tell me what your truth is? And you're walking on 30 seconds more of the nights before I get up. That's what it looks like when you're intellectually out mad. Like, you're wrong, and you know it. Like, okay, well, I just said the truth was transphobic. Asking about the truth is somehow threatening, and he just asks very basically, how is the truth threatening? And he goes, okay, I'm, I don't even know how to explain this. I'm in academia, and I'm literally, so you go. You're the one on trial. That's pathetic. I mean, it just shows you how clearly this is not something that can be defended when really put to the task. What my truth is? Well, I don't think I really have a truth. I think that there's just the truth. Thank God somebody's saying, by the way, how often have we said that on this plot? There's just truth. Now, we can debate what the truth is, but there's not your truth and my truth. I keep pointing back to Newt Gingrich on, I think it was an MSNBC or CNN clip a while ago where he made that point. Arguing that people are more in danger. And she goes, well, no, here are the stats. They're clearly not. And she goes, you know what, I'm going to listen to what the people think before I look at the stats. Yep, that's where it was starting. The politicians knew that they could lean into your subjective opinions and make that the reality for you anyway. Like the reality. And so Look we should begin <laughs> by trying to figure out what the... You notice that his eyes got real wide when he said that. The reality is. Uh-huh. And why are you concerned with when someone else tells you that they're a man, or even if they use the word male, why are you concerned with not believing them? Well, you keep bringing it back to, you know, how do you respond in a social situation? But, That's what I do. I'm a social scientist. Well, right. But we're in a university. This is a place of understanding truth, isn't it? Or Absolutely. We, are, we pursue truth, is, truth and so I'm a social scientist, and that's what I but do. But you just said the truth is transphobic. The, that you would say, that you're, if you're saying the truth is that I get to say you're not a man. When did he say that? You see the point? The whole time it's been based on his assumption about what Matt was going to say. Now, even if you think he's right, the point is that's ridiculous. And this is what I'm pointing out in every sense of all these conversations, both left and right paradigm and this absurd concept. Right? I mean, this is crazy. These people are assuming that you are wink, wink what we think you are. And that guides everything. It's happening everywhere because the politicians and the agendas have driven us here. It's the Twitter files, subjective screenshots and everything else we're talking about. You can just pick your own reality. We live in a choose your own adventure book now. That's where we are. And that's been made this way by these lunatic politicians. Absolutely. We, are, we pursue truth, truth and so I'm a social scientist, and that's what I but do. But you just said the truth is transphobic. The, that you would say, that you're, if you're saying the truth is that I get to say, you're not a man, show me your genitalia, that's transphobic. No, no, yes. I don't want to see anybody's genitalia. I, I, I just mean <laughs> someone can make a statement about themselves that could be untrue. Like, for example, if I, if I were to say that I'm a black man, could you... Would you accept that or would you be skeptical? Are you black? Are you African-American? Are you biracial? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, well, you don't look that. And I don't think that's a, it doesn't sound like that's a genuine statement of who you are. Ah, okay. And there's the whole point. It's always subjective. Well, I disagree that you mean it. You don't really mean it. But this guy who calls in, who has one experience that tells it, well, get him on puberty blocker. Right. But you were able to tell you don't mean it, though. But anybody else anywhere that's not in this context, that even it even leans into it. We're going to get them on there because they mean it. 
See how ridiculous that is? Okay, so that's my point. I, I could make a statement about who I am that's incorrect. Of course, I think it's well established that human beings can lie, yes. Or not even lie. I mean, I could just be mistaken. Aha, and there's a huge point that nobody wants to get into. What happens if they're just wrong? Clearly, there's no checks and balances there. They're giving it to everybody. And apparently, their whole point is you can just pick anyway. So does it, does it even matter to them? Clearly not. Yeah. I'm uh, not sure where you're going. Here, let me go back just a second, because that I is just, an important kind of compilation of what he just said. be mistaken. Of course, I think it's well established that human beings can lie, yes. Or not even lie. I mean, I could just be mistaken. Yeah. Well, there you uh, go. There you go. I guess this Clear all comes day. back. Just this all comes down to really one question. Um, especially, women, gender, and sexuality studies. So, so what? What is a woman? He has to try not to make it sound like the title of the documentary. <laughs> Why do you ask that question? God. I just really like to know. Very simple. What do you think the answer to that question is? Wow. Well, I'm, I'm asking. That's why I came to a college professor. <laughs> this, is your, this is what you do. What other kinds of answers have you gotten? Oh, my God. That's so infuriating. A lot of like this where you're, where you're not answering. I've gotten a lot of that. So I think it's interesting that you, that you say that some of the people you've, you've um, interviewed have been um, reluctant to answer it. And I think that has a lot to do with the way, the questions that preceded it and the, the way that you've conducted yourself in the interview. How have I conducted myself? How do you think you've conducted yourself? <laughs> you just really don't want to answer the questions, do you? I, I came today very willing and, and enthusiastic about answering questions about women's and gender sexuality studies, which is so the you wanted that to, I do. You wanted to answer questions about women's studies, and so shouldn't the, the first answer you should be able to provide is what exactly is a woman? Well, it's, it, for me, it's, it's actually a really simple answer, and that's a person who identifies as a woman. But what are they identifying as? Uh, as a woman. But, but what is that? As a woman. <laughs> do you know what a circular definition is? Wow. I do. It's Apparently sort of not. like what you're doing right now, where a woman is, is a woman. Because mm-hmm. well, you're seeking what we would call in my field of work an essentialist definition of gender. I think it sounds like you would like me to give you a set of biological... More assumption. ...or cultural characteristics that are associated with one gender or the other. The point is he knows that if he gets into any... Just like we see in Congress when they suffer to answer this question, the simple answer would reveal that that's not... That it, it's completely subjective, which is the whole point. And yet he doesn't want to answer it, even though that is what he seems to think, because he knows if he says it, he makes Matt's point. So it doesn't matter how you look at this, he just basically admitted he was wrong. Or admitted that there is a completely fluid, transient, you know, it's illogical that you can wake up one day and say that, except to get the thing you need, you got to pretend you have a disorder. And we are living in a completely, I don't even know what the right word is. This really does scare me because it's happening at such real pace to children that it's, these kids can't come back from this. I'm not seeking any type of definition. I'm just seeking a definition. Yeah, and I gave you one. No, you see the point. That's it. Doesn't he? Doesn't he? Says a woman is a woman. Well, what is it? It's a woman. See, he didn't even give his definition. He didn't give anything. 
That's insecurity. And yet this person is teaching children or, you know, 18 college students about this. Same stuff that's being taught to elementary school kids, which we just showed you. You should watch this whole thing. Last on this point. This is a family friendly, which is pretty much how they frame all of these pride events in Dallas. Now, you know, I've made the point about there's plenty of people, which doesn't mean that there's not some inherently the surreptitious point behind all of the pride movements. But I think there's plenty of people involved with these women, you know, that are, you know, moms out there that think they're supporting equality. And, and some, plenty of people there just like, here's a great point to make. Everyone out there right now, especially on the right side of this, is going, everything pride is dangerous. And to a degree, I agree with that because it's how this movement is using the pride movement. But I guarantee you there are people, gay, lesbian, just moms that, that want to go to show their support because they think it's all about equality and that we're changing the world. My point is, how is it? how can we on the right side of this recognize that there were plenty of people that were just perusing the Capitol on January 6th and had no idea what was going on and were like, they're all being persecuted just because, well, the point is on the other side, they're going, they're all Nazis and they were all there to overthrow the government. Well, clearly we're able to have some discernment on the right and go, well, that's not true. That one was a grandma. That one's just there to see. Okay, why can't we do this on the other side? It's the same thing as always, guys. It's always one side or the other. It's always two-party paradigm. The point is that we sweep up the entire side, you fail. Now, what I'm saying is it doesn't mean, like in my opinion, I'm going to show you this clip, and you know how I think about this, but to be objective, you have to acknowledge that there, one, are trans people that don't agree with this. There are gay and lesbian people that don't agree with all that's happening. And on top of it, that there are people at these movements, despite all the things I've shown you, like that disgusting BDSM puppy outfit with the child, that are just people there that are either there because they just want to support equality or don't realize what else is going on. Now, that point alone bothers some people because I think there's something else behind a lot of this. But it's the same thing on the other side. We just can't be so so broad brushing with all of this stuff. But here, now let's get into the actual video that shows you that a lot of what's going on at these family-friendly festivals is inherently sexual, which is always my point in regard to how this is not about identity, in the way it addresses children, it's about sexual identity. All of these conversations, as I said the other day, lesbian, like LGBTQ, right? A lesbian, what does it mean? Sex with women and attracted women. Everybody else would argue that is the predominant factor of what makes you a lesbian. What about gay? Same point. Sex with men, attraction to men. And then the B point is always hilarious to me because that means bi, which undermines the whole point of what everything else is because it implies there's only two sides. But what does it mean? Anybody? Sex with both kinds. Okay. So at what point are we not talking about sexual identity? Never. All of it is about sexual identity. So why are we talking about this with children at all? It's not anatomy. This isn't sex ed class. We're talking about sexual preferences. It's not the same thing. That's on its surface inappropriate and wrong. Period. Let me show you why. In many cases, because this is what they're being presented with, even at the Family-friendly pride event. A penis right on the table. I mean, that that's, I guess, a vagina. BDSM kind of stuff dressed up in. And all these, what's with this weird white face paint that keeps being seen? One thing I think is interesting, by the way, everything that seems to be presented from like drag queen story time and, and coming to the White House and the California politicians... Why are they always in like the most elaborate, ridiculous kind of, you know, like Las Vegas show kind of look? 
Is that what every trans person looks like? Hardly. That's kind of my point all the time about that is there's plenty of trans people that you wouldn't even notice. Some of them you would be able to, well, maybe look, they look like a man that became a woman. But some of them you'd be like, you can't tell. Look, I lived in Hawaii for a long time. One of the first things somebody told me when they were there, plenty of these prostitutes look like very attractive women, and they're not. They're thin, feminine-looking, uh, largely Palestine, uh, excuse me, uh, Filipino men. I thought that was hilarious at the time. I'm like, well, that's crazy. I you know, the point is that there's people that just know. They're like, there's a lot of women that exist in this time, this in in this area in Hawaii that are actually men that look like women, and you wouldn't know. So be careful. My point is that does exist, but my point is they do show in this case only people that look super elaborate with all their big shows and face and painted face and all this different stuff. I think there's a reason for that. That's the agenda being pushed on people. That's not what the average trans person looks like, as far as I can tell. But again, this is reasonably new. So who ultimately knows? The point is to come to your own conclusion. There, again, was that a nurse hat with a white painted face? I mean, what is that? Look at some of the buttons. Right? This is a child engaging with all this stuff. Look at what they say. Thought, daddy's boy, top, bottom. These are sexual things, guys. Naughty woman looking, free hugs. And then it goes forward. It's free nudes. I mean, every single one of these are dom, like domination. These are sexual things. They're about sexual positions, sexual preferences. Why does any of this have to do with a child? I don't know what the hell that's supposed to be. Oh, great. A bunch of Disney pornography. Not like you need any other thing but Disney movies to get that, seeing as how there's always been the most obvious sexual subliminal messaging in every Disney movie that we all know about and no one seems to care about. <laughs> Answer that. Explain that one for me if we don't realize there's always been an agenda like this targeted at your children. Epstein, Hassert, all these different people in the government hiding what's really going on. Is that, is that good for a three, four, six, seven, eight-year-old girl to see? Clearly, they don't care. Clearly, we're we're bigots for thinking this is inappropriate. Hey, look at this. I mean, there's sexual intercourse, you know, anal sag, all these different things are showing with with Disney characters. Now, my point, you can always point out that the the parents are the ones taking them here, but the point is, this is being told sold to us like this is just acceptance. It's not appropriate for kids to see any of this stuff. On top of that, what they're teaching them in school is now you saw this, well, you can go be what you want tomorrow. That's the ultimate point for me. Free monkeypox shot. Look at that. Walking around in, in obvious sexual BDSM stuff. F you. Look at that. Make me see you am again. Just all of these are explicitly sexual. Look at that. Come on. There's no denying what these are. Little children. Babies. Orgasm donor. Hey, baby. Everything about this is sexual. There's no way around it.
Very, very disconcerting. Now, the real point here, guys, is this is happening. We can all see it. And I don't understand why so many people are afraid to acknowledge why this is such a problem. See, the problem is that people on the two-party paradigm sides are incapable, seemingly, of having a balanced conversation about this while holding two thoughts in their minds simultaneously. Yes, there are some people that we can acknowledge aren't part of this that might be gay, trans, or lesbian, which I guess is the same thing as gay. At the same time, realize that, yes, there is an obvious problem, and there, that includes trans people, it includes gay people, it includes straight people, it includes politicians that don't care, politicians that are pushing this for obvious concerning reasons. We have to be able to see this full, this whole conversation. Puberty blockers, hormone treatments, and surgeries are happening to minors. All of them are not, there's no long-term studies. A lot of it is just so far beyond what we anybody should ever accept. Genital mutilation for people that don't even understand what's going on. In some cases. But that aside, puberty blockers and hormone treatments are so are clearly dangerous, as even the Associated Press and Reuters make clear, and people involved at the treatments are saying, we're being sloppy, not testing, and then we show you video documentation of them doing actually that. And apparently we're all bigoted for pointing out that problem. Absolutely crazy to me. Now, I'm going to do, it looks like we're pretty long on the show in general, but I'm going to finish by pointing out what's going on in Ukraine. You can continue to flesh this out for yourself. The uh, proletariat rising points out the New York Times must have realized they simply couldn't ignore the massive amounts of Nazi imagery used by Ukraine's armed forces. So they finally attempt to address it in this absolutely ridiculous article. (laughs) I mean, this is how sad it is. So realize that they've always known it's obvious because they were writing about it before the invasion. Then they change and lie to you, which shows you that none of these people, at at the very least, the editorial team are honest people at New York Times, The Washington Post or any of them. But then they go on to try to justify the thing they just tried to tell you wasn't even happening. How do we not laugh about that? These people are pathetic and they're losing everything because the independent media is controlling the narrative right now, which is, by the way, why I'm so concerned about things like this, because we have built this over the entire independent media over the past decade. And now the same people that we're saying we're a bunch of fringe people in our mother's basements are desperately trying to siphon off all that we've built, which is why I'm trying to take this to the next level. Because we need to. Otherwise, this will probably go away at some point. Because that's just how this works. Especially as we get more and more and more into the controlled world that they're building. Unless we stop it. But you can read this and realize how absurd it is. It starts out this way. But since this morning they they deleted a paragraph, immediately following this section, it said something like this. The prevalence of these symbols used by Ukraine servicemen has left Western media in a quandary. Address their existence and be accused of. And it's just so silly how this continues to be acting like, well, they don't even understand what they're doing. That's actually the crux of this, right? Well, they kind of don't really know. They're, it's coming from a time when they thought they were fighting for their freedom. And uh, You mean the thing that you told us was fake until yesterday? How do you take them seriously at this point? Spreading, the point is the whole article, which was, you guys can read this for yourself. Like, I don't, I'm not going to go into all of it just for time today. Ukraine has worked for years through legislation and military restructuring to contain a fringe far-right movement. Oh, really? You mean the Azov movement that literally controls most of everything that's going on, which we've proven and the FBI admitted to? And Come on, it's just sad. You can read more of it for yourself. Here's the actual article. The decision by some Ukrainian soldiers to wear Nazi patches with icon threatened to reinforce Russian propaganda... Or is it actually what they exactly said? It's not threatens to reinforce. It is what happened. There are Nazis. That's what they said. And now you're forced to go, yes, they're wrong while they're right because they're lying. And you guys are ridiculous. 
It could also give the symbols mainstream life after the West advocates learn. <laughs> they're literally Nazis in some cases. They're actually neo-Nazis in most cases, and they're openly fascist in almost every point you can point at. I mean that first part. It's not some hyperbolic point. They're, this whole thing stems back to Michael Labed, as far as I can tell, with op- Project Aerodynamic and the creation of what they're built here in 1948. As I've shown you a thousand times. This article is called Not Just Azov. Documents prove the CIA has been cultivating fascism in Ukraine since 1948. Michael Labed was set up in New York with a company called Prologue. It's an actual company to spread media by a known Nazi war criminal. That's how much your government cares about you. And that's the same group. That's the same Ukrainian, internet, uh, what is it? The Organization for Ukrainian Nationalists. That's, that's all the same thing. That is all of this. The Azov Movement, Svoboda. It's, this is the fascist. This is what it is. As this person says, if the Ukrainian soldiers are actually wearing Nazi badges, which we know that they are, as has been previously denied, again, this person sees it, then what the Russians have been saying is actually true, not propaganda. Like, it takes a very basic intelligence to be able to recognize that basic truth. Not to insult Lisa, I'm just saying, anybody, the, point, the point is that other pe- people not seeing it are ridiculous. It says, in which case, your headline makes no sense. <laughs> great great point, Lisa. I think that's hilarious. Oh, look at that. I didn't know it had, they added something. Hold on, read that next. It, it wasn't there a second ago. It is true, and it is still propaganda. Here we are, mental gymnastics to make sense. Propaganda doesn't mean lies. It just, it ju- it, it's just any publication that pushes a specific political line or goal, apparently, even if it's true. Ukrainian soldiers do wear Nazi badges, which is useful for Russian propaganda because it's true. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it's propaganda. It's Russia using the truth to, I mean, I don't even know how you make sense of that. So they are Nazis and they're wearing Nazi things, but it's Russian propaganda. I don't think this guy understands how to tie his own shoes. And this person, thank you, Xander, for pointing this out, is worth reading. This is Whitney's article for The Last American Vagabond, Ukraine and the New Al-Qaeda. Very important article showing you, just like we've been telling you the whole time, this has been executed. Ukraine's neo-Nazi and ultra-nationalist regiment has been well-documented and acknowledged even prior to Russia's invasion. It's It's discarding... And discarding it as Russian propaganda is disingenuous. Ukraine has a history of neo-Nazi involvement, which is well-established. Well, hey, that's good. It doesn't mean that they're not censoring hate speech. Or it doesn't mean, yeah, it doesn't mean they're not. Or that these things don't pop up on valid COVID information that they call misinformation. That's still happening. Great thing they gave you a bunch of Wikipedia links, because that's where the truth comes from, right? Jeez. You can't even use Wikipedia for college, college work. Professors won't allow it. But yet... Twitter and the U.S. government wants you to think that's what you should listen to. Think about that. Well, here is a classroom. Lessons of German language in a Ukrainian primary school. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, I'll just show it on here, I think. Now, my point, as always, is that that's not every person in Ukraine. A lot of them fled to Russia. A lot of them went to Crimea. A lot of them went to Donbass because they recognized the problem that's been growing. But the point is, those are just children that are being indoctrinated, just like the children in this country, in different ways. 
Here's an image of, you can find it there, dime a dozen, guys. Azov movement. Just like the guy that was there on January 6th screaming things in Russian, which we've shown you many times. Grab that one, too, so bring it up. But that's the point, guys. This is real. People, And that doesn't mean that everybody everywhere, but the point is you can prove this is the predominant ideology, not necessarily supporting Hitler or Nazi, but that fascist, neo-Nazi, and like people that are actively saying their goal, which is what they do say, which is state on their own documents, is to spread the white race around the world. That's what your government is funding while claiming to fight racism and white supremacy. Like really wrap your mind around how stupid that is and why some people just can't see through it. But the point is... January 6th was always a very clear government operation. This guy is a, this is not just this one picture. It's very clear work. You can prove this is a guy, part of the Azov movement. Very clearly. He was there on January 6th, screaming, let's go, we can do it, in Russia. And the Ukrainian military put out a video saying, look, the Russians are there. But we've proven he's a Ukrainian. What do you think that means? That this was an agenda. That you were trying to be set up. Where was that one I just opened? Over here, maybe? Well, I thought, did I just open that? That's strange. Well, anyway, I'll grab it right here. I, did I just, that's weird. <laughs> Whatever. I, I swear I just opened that. Well, here's the, here's the other one. January 6th, the failed false flag meant to blame Russia and you using the CIA-grown was it in the front? Oh, there it is. I was going to say, I knew I opened that. But this is the idea, guys. This was all meant, I mean, that's why we can show that there was Antifa there that were setting up or whatever, just left-wing groups that were there on record setting these groups up. And they were on the video going, we did it, we got them. And they just don't want it. We have Ray Epps telling you, we're going to go in. Oh, he's a fed. All of it's just as stupidly obvious as I've ever seen in my life. And that's what they're supporting. Just like the support of the moderate rebels. And on top of all of that, guess what? Debt ceiling deal puts no limits on Ukraine aid. That's who they are funding. Now let's talk about the actual recent false flag. Here's what Zelensky put out. You know, the same Zelensky that still swears that that rocket that was fired from Ukraine, which we've all proven, and they hit Poland, was still somehow fired from Russia, and it was an attack on Poland, and he lied. And everyone just did, well, kept going because we, we, we can't care. We, we, we can prove that it wasn't there. We can prove mathematically that it wasn't, that it wasn't even there. <laughs> the point is, this guy's terrible. He's clumsy. He's incoherent. He clearly has a drug problem. And the bottom line is that he just keep, he's just throwing things out left and right. It doesn't even seem he's in control. That's my biggest concern about what happens on the ground. The U.S. government, as we saw in Syria, is kind of forced to go along with. So here we have an example of a dam, a very important dam, a hydroelectric power dam being blown up. And he immediately goes to Twitter and says, Russian terrorists, destruction of the, uh, what is the Kakova hydroelectric power dam plant dam has only confirms for the world, whole world, that they must be expelled from every corner of Ukrainian land. You know how many times he's been caught lying? It's just painful, which shows you how desperate they are to maintain this, that they can't back up now Ghost of Kia was a lie. Raping children was a lie. I mean, it's lie after lie after lie. And we're all still conspiracy theorists somehow. Same reason these injections are still safe and effective, right? Because they say so. Not a single meter should be left to them because they are they use every meter for terror. <laughs> it's only Ukraine's victory that will return that security. And this victory will come. 
clearly not, they're losing. The terrorists will not be able to stop Ukraine with water, missiles, or anything else. All services are working. I have convened the national security, blah, 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 blah. Okay. It just shows you the picture of the dam and the water. Now it's pouring through. First, Dr. Strange loves to says, you know, some basic logic, not proof, but just logic. If anyone thinks the Russians blew up their own dam and flooded their own positions, making an amphibious assault possible on them while cutting off the water supply to themselves, seek help immediately. It's curable, but it may take time. Now, it's certainly possible, either by accident or by design. But realize strategically how stupid this is, militarily how absolutely ridiculous this is, and just simply that you're going to hurt yourself, to what end? How does this benefit their military or just any agenda at all? To what to say, they did it, it's them. Well, we, he already knows, well as anybody else in the world, that the U.S. government's never going to admit it, was, no matter what happened. So how does that ever translate to a benefit? This does matter. This is why it's so stupidly obvious that no matter what anybody's arguing, that this is clear before we even get to the next part. Which is that you can prove on the record that Kiev has plans to blow up this very dam more than once as a last resort, which, by the way, happened right after they just lost a huge battle. But we're going to pretend it was Russia after they planned this and execute. Come on. I mean, this is how stupid this gets. This, this, is, this, is, uh, uh, this is the author, the writer, twice last year, and you can look at him right here, Ukrainian officials discussed how to blow this dam up. That should mean something, shouldn't it? Facts and, and hit, you know, it just shows you narrative is all that matters. We say Russia because that makes sense for the narrative. Facts don't matter after that. Like every other conversation. The Washington Post in late December extends credence to the Kremlin's version of events, saying that they were planning this. The Washington Post makes that clear. The test was a success, but the step remained was last resort. So they were holding off to do this. They knew they could. They were holding off until they needed to. And then what happened? They lost this last important battle. Aaron Mate points out the same thing in the Washington Post. Zelensky's blaming Russian terrorists, yet the U.S. involved war games last year. The U.S. involved, of course, because that's how you need to read this. There's nothing happening in Ukraine that is not at the least extension being done because of the United States, whether they know it or not. The Ukrainian military tested a scenario in which Ukraine bombed the dam to stop Russian crossings. The test was a success. This, uh, and this is just a quick understanding of what this is doing. So you know, this is what the Ukrainian military is allowing on their own people to, uh, to essentially make Russia look like the bad guy, even though anybody with two brain cells is going to say, well, that doesn't make sense. The destruction of this dam means the left side of Kherson will be flooded soon, including several villages. Crimea will have water supply cut off. You know, Crimea being a place that Russia controls. But that makes sense, though, right? They're going to hurt themselves and potentially allow Ukraine to be able to do this. That's why the USSR built the dams in the first place. No water equals no agriculture. You can't figure out, you can figure out the rest. This might impact millions of people. Now, right, we, I don't know why I do that. Wyatt Reed points out an obvious point. that's important. They just blew up the dam from the makers of Russia blew up their own pipelines. Russia blew up their own nuclear plant. Russia blew up their own people. It's just, this is how done. And, and guess what? We've proven they've lied about these. No, they didn't blow up the, the pipeline. No, we've proven that. Ukraine accuses Russia of nuclear terrorism after strike near the power plant. The bottom line is this is a lie. And we've also shown that they were bombing directly on that plant once the Russians took over. So it's a lie. 30 civilians killed in Russian strike. So they're claiming that they're bombing themselves at the same point. They're lying about all of these, which we've proven. 
And then Disclosed TV points out, just in, CIA had intelligence of detailed Ukrainian plan to attack Nord Stream Pipeline three months before it happened. So at the very least, you have very disingenuous coverage from the corporate media, from the government of the United States, where they clearly knew at the very least that on their narrative anyway, that Ukraine had a plan to attack Nord Stream, which I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. That plan is being put forward by the U.S. government. The point, though, is that whether or not it was Ukraine or whether this is the U.S. government trying to blame Ukraine as if they didn't have any involvement with that is up for you to decide. I don't believe anything Washington Post says. Biden and Edmund learned from a close ally that the Ukrainian military had planned a covert attack and then has yet to say any of that until now. While going, we know it was Russia, you liars. It's just so dumb, isn't it? Well, Zero Edge points out, or first the war monitor says, President of Ukraine says on Wednesday that he was very disappointed and shocked that no one believed him. And the Red Cross, the emergency at the power plant, basically, why doesn't everyone believe that I lied about Russia doing it? And Zero Hedge points out, well, time for Russia to, time for, quote, Russia to blow up another dam? Well, that might have already happened. They're trying. Morgan, Organ, Arthur Morgan, what is wrong with me today? Armed forces of Ukraine shelled the vicinity of another dam. This was seven hours ago of the Belgorod Reservoir. So it's clear what's happening, guys. Over the past couple of weeks, arrivals in this territory have become more frequent. Is this a pattern? This is the, the wholesale destruction of everything that's going to keep this. To, this is about, in my opinion, not just the, the control of the war or the, the loss, controlling the loss of the war, but the Great Reset. All of this adds up in the same direction, guys. It's just a multifaceted agenda. Now, while all this is happening, while Ukrainian Nazis and neo-Nazis and fascists and the ones funding them and arming them and executing these sabotage false flag terrorism attacks, while all that's happening, guess who the U.S. government's concerned about? The group not doing what they claim they're doing, right? We won't allow Iran to get nuclear weapons. They're not getting them. They're not seeking them. The IEAE just literally pulled out and said they literally stopped and Israel freaked out. Because apparently, after the last 20 years of pretending to investigate, like the point is, even Amano, the previous president of the International Atomic Energy Agency, mysteriously died. And right before that, he he openly stated that the U.S. and Israel were trying to kill him. Remember all that? And then the moment he died, after years of saying that Iran's not doing this, suddenly the new people are like, yeah, they're dangerous. The point, though, is even that group just went home. Because there's not a problem. Because I've proven this a hundred times over. The Iranian government not only makes it clear that both their religion as well as their personal standing does not allow for them to do so. And even as you can prove, unless you have some secret location, which is what Israel claims, but yet every year and every time they say, we're just about, it's not happening. Investigations, fake evidence. But yet here we are. Yet How long ago? They've They've been saying this for 20 years. The point is, they don't even have the, they're, Light years away, even with their increasing of their production because of the violation of the deal, the JCPOA, which, by the way, was written down in the deal that if the U.S. does what they did, they're allowed to do what they're doing now. And yet the U.S. still frames it as illegal, which is just absolutely ridiculous. The bottom line is that they are not even close to being able to produce the things at the level they need to begin to make a bomb, let alone have a nuclear weapon. But right now, we're on the border, on the verge of giving these kind of weapons to Ukraine, which they've already discussed and probably have already done. But we're worried about something that's not happening. This is the crux of the absurdity of where we are today. They don't care about anything other than their agenda. They are literally on the brink of destroying the world in a thousand different ways, whether through infertility and children or blowing us up with nuclear weapons and nobody cares. 
because these are dangerous people. And at the meantime, while that's all happening, you know what's also going on? The Ukrainians are continuing to target and shell innocent people in civilian areas in Donbass, just like they've been doing for 20 years or what, 10 plus years. Yeah, this is also happening. Jay Boys points out that the BBC, the CNN, they're shamelessly ignoring the indiscriminate shelling of Belgorod in Russia by Ukraine. Targeting and killing innocent people. Isn't it amazing that the, Russia hasn't just completely freaked out about, like, imagine what would happen if the U.S. government had somebody bombing inside of their country. Think about how, what a crazy escalation that is. And yet, somehow Russia hasn't just become what they keep saying they are. That's called restraint. And no way am I praising the right. All of these governments are bad. It's just a simple fact. They ignored it like the Donbass for nine years. Excuse me, I think I said Donbass to, to start. I, the point is that they've ignored this like they've ignored Donbass being targeted for 10 years. You can see, look, these are just showing you burning civilian areas. It's just so incredible how obvious all of this is. And Sarah uh, Abdallah points out, on top of all of that, Joe Biden's bombing Somalia right now. Did you know that? No, you probably wouldn't because the corporate media doesn't care. No UN condemnations, no global outrage, little to zero media coverage. If it were Putin instead of Biden bombing Somalia, well, headlines would dominate every single outlet. And remind me again, do we have a declaration of war on Somalia? No, we don't, but it doesn't even matter anymore. We are so far past even pretending we need those things or that they do. They don't think you matter anymore. They never did, but now they're putting it right in your face. Can Congress, declaration of war, shut up. Go back to sleep. Where are your kids at? Well, Stephen uh, Cotriel points something out that I think is very important. Now, obviously, polls are never the full picture, right? Why was there three days left? I thought it said that before. In any case, it's not done yet. Or maybe it is. I don't know. I thought it said three days left like yesterday. But either way, there's been 5,000 votes on this, okay? 5,000 votes. That's a lot. And it's not the full picture. It never really is with a poll. But at the end of the day, it does show you some indication. What the question is, which nation do you fear the most? Here's how Twitter responded. China, which you'd expect from a right-leaning platform, 10.5%. Because that's what they frame it as a right-leaning platform. I don't even know if that's true, but that's how they frame it. Russia, same point, really. 7.9%. Other, anybody else you can imagine, that might be North Korea, 77 you know, the biggest one was for those in the podcast, United States government or nation. I mean, it's the government we're talking about. 73.9%. 73.9% of people on Twitter, 73.9% of the 5,152 people on Twitter who voted said the United States government. See this. This is the bivalent point. This is the crack through the door. We are looking at the reality that we are the majority. We see what they are. We see the real problem. And yet the left, right, fringe extremist sides are screening that we're all the fringe and they know while they battle about abortion, while they battle about their wedge issues. The truth is that most Americans are very aware of what's going on and we need to acknowledge that amongst ourselves. Stand up and admit what you think around everybody. The only way we're going to finally recognize that we're the majority because I think a lot of those 73% think they're not. And therein lies the problem. Now, I'm not, I, I won't play this, actually. I'll let you watch for yourself. But uh, Kim Iverson had a great interview with uh, Gonzo Lira's father. Now, I haven't talked about this much. I mentioned it a couple times, actually. But I, th there's a lot about the last story, as I mentioned before, that kind of left me un a little bit unsure about all this. But 
you can see video of Gonzalo Lira being arrested at his home. And this is his father pleading with the U.S. government to do something and save him. You know what they've done? Literally nothing. They've even, they, when asked about it in a State Department briefing, they didn't even care. So it shows you how much they care about U.S. citizens, right? You can imagine if this was any U.S. citizen held by Russia, oh, they would suddenly care then, which shows you they don't really care. It's about politics. Very, very sad. Now, I think I'm going to leave it there, actually. I'll make fun of Nikki Haley another day. It's been a good show today, and I think we're going to leave it there. Thank you for tuning in today, guys. Very important. We, we just really got to keep knocking these things down. and we, have, we can't be afraid. We can't be afraid to be called names. I mean, look, there are people that follow along with me and, and claim that I'm this and that based on the most obscene, anine, just asinine things that have no, you know, support saying this guy got censored and suddenly you're everything they want you to be. The point is that there's a lot of children, a lot of vultures, a lot of trolls out there that are just out there to do something for themselves. We, that's not going to stop us from doing what we're going to do. I'm going to keep doing what I think is right, period. These people, have they're meaningless. But the point is that we have to keep pushing forward and we can't let these these jackasses out there influence what we want, what the truth, the way we see the truth. If, unless you're willing to stand up and tell your neighbor what you think about this without worry that they're going to, or regardless of what they might think, unless you're willing to do that today, we're not going to see real change. We, I'm willing to bet you that you tell your neighbor what you think, they're probably going to agree. In some, in some level, they're going to go, yeah, yeah, I'm worried about this. If, you, if you're talking to them one-on-one, -on -one, test the theory. Realize you're the majority. Realize that when we do acknowledge that as a country, that we will change everything. I'm not going to say I know what that looks like. It's obviously going to be a, you know, it's going to be difficult to get this to a place we want, but nothing worth doing is ever easy, guys. And we're here to fight for the long haul. Thank you for being here. And again, you know anybody out there that wants to take, have them reach out to us if they want to fund this platform to something that we can really, you know, like we're going to keep driving as I keep telling you, no matter what. The problem though is that with the declining in, in donations in general, which it seems that everyone's dealing with, there's going to come a point we're going to have to pull back on content and so on. And I, I just don't want to do that. It's very hard for me. But, you know, people may not know there's plenty of times and plenty of months here and there where I'm paying in my own pocket to keep this going because I don't just put money aside. Every single cent that comes through this platform, if it's left over, I'm like, Robert, Derek, let's write more. Let's get more content because that's what matters. I'm not in this to make money. It's about getting the truth out there. And at every single turn, we're being suppressed and sidelined and ignored, even by other independent media. We're going to keep fighting because that's what needs to happen. And so I'm hoping to find people out there that recognize why that's so important and why this is about something much bigger than just making money. But at the same time, the investors need that. But the point is, if you know somebody out there that's like that, have them reach out to me. Show them this part of the video and let them know that we're real and that we're trying to change things. And I believe we can. I believe we have. Let's put it that way. And we will continue to. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.